This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. Opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Hey, welcome in. A Tuesday edition of the opening kickoff. Appreciate you guys hanging with us for the next three hours right here on the sports station. As always, plenty to talk about, plenty to talk, plenty of people to talk to. And of course, we want to add you to that list. 694-1055. And of course, you can get us in the app at WNSP.com. Good morning. Indeed it is. Being the great sports station that we are, we spent a lot of time yesterday on the NFL and especially some of the highlights like Miami scoring those 70 points. We perhaps submerged the lead, though, uh, with the uh, what, whatever what the national media was talking up. And that was Taylor Swift attending the Chiefs game uh, along with uh, a, as a guest of Travis Kelsey and Kelsey of course had the touchdown pass and everybody made a big deal about this and obviously the the pairing apparently according to reports they went out to a restaurant afterwards big deal okay they did all that kind of stuff and who knows whether they're dating or not but she was a guest but I bring this up because last night we had another Kelsey Swift of a different kind yes in the Eagles win yesterday DeAndre Swift not to be confused with Taylor 130 Unlikely. yards rushing Behind the line, anchored by Jason Kelsey. Yeah, actually, uh, the Eagles threw out a tweet kind of trolling the Chiefs about they prefer this Swift-Kelsey combination more. Um, I don't know if I agree. Well, you know, with Taylor Swift's, look, I don't follow her career that much. You're not a big fan? I'm not saying I'm not a fan. I I really am not because I don't know much about her music. But she's, I'll tell you what, uh, if we get the Bill Belichick comment on the pairing, he said he wants, he's a big fan. And if this is true, and I have no reason to believe it's not, that he went to a concert at Gillette Stadium, raining, a hard rain, and she stood out there and sang 44 songs. So for that, I'd be a fan of hers if she did that. So respect. 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 Is that one of her songs, respect? No. Well, she's got this habit of, uh, I say habit, it's, she, she's been known to, after breakups, to write songs. Am I correct uh, on yeah, that? That is correct. At least you can verify you have that. Your, you have your All finger right. on the pulse. So I'm wondering, what has a chance of lasting longer? Uh, she being really good friends, and I'm saying friends, I I. Don't know for sure with uh, Travis or the Eagles keeping Swift because you know how running backs get traded back and forth and they don't stay long with teams. So anyway, the Eagles were happy. They, they go three and oh and Jalen Hurts playing through what are considered flu like symptoms. Boy, I'm glad I got my flu shot yesterday. Uh, Why, are you hugging up on Jalen in the uh, no, midweek? No, I'm just because I oh. don't want to get the flu. And he played, though, and he had a touchdown rushing, and he had touchdown pass. Why, why can't he call up Nick and say, look, look what we do. We go to the goal line. I, I get the bonus, and they just push me across. You know, I thought I, – I don't, I don't say this very often, so you might want to record this, but Lee – I thought about you yesterday. Oh no! Wait, after after night, either that because of the mistake I made in the afternoon for you, or no, uh, I've never. I'm beginning to wonder if Nick Saban and Lee Shervanian are the same person. I've never seen you all in the same place at the same time, so it's it's very possible that you're love you're living a double life. I don't see you after nine a.m. He's never been on the morning show. Uh, it's it's possible that Lee Shervanian is indeed Lane Kiffin. 
Not no, Lane Kiffin, Nick Saban. No, 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 no. I can't, I can't, um, I can't X as much as he, he does. was. He was asked about your pet peeve about going in the shotgun at the goal line, and he questioned why they even did it. This was ridiculous. What, what was ridiculous? What was ridiculous? Well, they asked Nick Saban. Nick Saban openly goes, "Why do we need to be in the shotgun on first and goal from the one?" Well, coach, you know who has the power to. Not be in the shotgun yeah. first and goal. Oh, from so the you one. mean it's not? It should. When you say ridiculous, it should have been his call to to get that done. Then, right? Well, it is his call to veto that. I say it's ridiculous that they should have kept the shotgun. Or no, I no, I mean, saying. no, I mean, no. We're all on the same page. It was oh, ridiculous okay. for him to say, "Why were we in the shotgun out of out of." First and goal right. on the, at the one right. when you know as the one person who the had the ability to is, veto that. Right. The difference between you complaining about it and Nick Saban complaining yes. about it is only one person in that conversation can actually do anything. It's about like it. I can ask why were we in the shotgun on first right. and goal on the one when Nick Saban asks us. Well, but coach, been, we didn't have to be. I've been saying this for two and three years, not against right. Alabama about anybody. But right. anyway, so hurts with the twenty nine touchdown. No, I'm with you. 29 touchdown uh, rushing. That's a new record, Mark. He's the fastest to under 50 games, 29 rushing touchdowns. The other game went to Cincinnati, 19 to 16, a pedestrian game for Burrow playing through a calf injury. It was okay. They, uh, they did win the game, and it was their first win. And for the Rams, they were sacked six times yesterday. Matthew Stafford really had a tough game with that. Burrow didn't really complete all that many passes, but he got the job done. And he's slung it around a bunch, that's and for sure. They had, what, seven field goals in that game. But a lot of defensive games in the NFL this year. Uh, I wanted to go to some of the local news. Uh, LeBaron Filan has uh, verbally committed now. He's out at that Link Academy in Missouri. He commits to Kansas. And, Mark, I was thinking about this, trying to remember – some of the great high school players from this area that have signed what we what we consider alpha programs. That there's the guy behind you, Demarcus Cousins. Yeah, I've heard of him. Kentucky, Antonio Lang of Duke. I was trying to think. Of, is there anybody else that you can think of that went to? Uh, and if he does go there, I mean, he's he's committed to an alpha type school. One like of those, a, like a blue blood. Yeah, the blue bloods. Uh, I think LeBaron's going to be on top of that list, right? I mean, Barry went to Arkansas for a year. He's at UAB now, but. We were talking about this last night when the news broke. If if you're if you're got offers from, you know, some SEC basketball SEC offers, and Kansas, don't you kind of have to go to Kansas? It just seems like that's like the, it's like a once in a lifetime opportunity, right? For for a kid in this area. I mean, I hope it, I hope he goes. I hope it works out. I hope he has a great career. But it just there's certain programs that if you get that offer. I think it would have been neat to have him stay in the state of Alabama. As you know, he decommitted to Auburn, so we could follow him closer. But, we could, hey, look, we can follow him at Kansas. He turned down Ole Miss. I understand what went on there. Uh, Flanagan had moved from Auburn, the assistant coach Flanagan to Ole Miss, so I get that. Alabama, I get that. I wasn't sure about Cincinnati, what the connection there yeah, was. Yeah, I, that I don't know. But uh, he kind of he hinted at the fact that it was Kansas earlier in the day in a social media uh, post and then last night, fairly late, uh, the the news was was uh, was thrown out there. So good for him. It's a it's a it's a great uh, it's a great story and uh, it'll be it'll be fun. Hopefully one day to see him running up and down the floor for Kansas. That's just crazy to think that a kid from Mobile is playing basketball for Kansas. For, yeah. Well, let's see how it works out for him. And, and again, you know, these are non-binding. 
uh, it's you know you can always change your mind like he did with Auburn when the assistant coach left. Um, he's considered one of the premier prospects in the nation. We'll see how it works out. First of all, Link Academy. Uh, it did not work out too well for Sterling Dixon, unfortunately, because we really like him and he's such a super young man. But uh, the torn labrum, apparently a torn labrum in the game this past Friday uh, in the th- win over Theodore. And according to reports, actually his father was quoted as saying he's going to need surgery. With, that's going to end his high school football career. This is the same injury, Mark. And you remember when we were out at Mobile Christian, he would visit us, but he couldn't play because of the torn labrum. And this is the same injury he occurred in his sophomore year. So just hope for the best. And isn't that ironic? that he gets this injury on a Friday and his former high school teammate now at Alabama, Deontay Lawson, gets hurt in the game on Saturday. Yeah, it appears he had injured it during the game. They tried to rewrap it and put it back, he, and he tried to go back in the game, and it just, it just he couldn't go. So uh, it's a frustrating high school career for him, I'm sure. Um, and so uh, we'll see what, what the next step is for him. Do want to wish Joe Lott uh, success. Uh, he's he's the quarterback for UMS Wright. I watched him uh, on TV on Friday, and he's he's a slash. He plays a lot of positions, and he committed to Troy yesterday. So UMS Wright quarterback slash athlete commits to Troy in the Sun Belt Conference. So that brings us up to date on some of the the local news. All right, well we're going to jump into all of it at some point throughout the course of our day. We'll talk some high school football with Ron Lee at six thirty, Travis Ryer on Alabama, Jerry Palm on the college football scene, Dean Waite. I know you guys are always uh, up for that. Wait for the call eight o'clock. We've got a list of uh, plays for him, including the whole loss of down and where it all went wrong for Alabama in that whole series and where the miscommunication breakdown was. And Justin uh, Ferguson will talk some Auburn at 8.30. We'll have some Chick-fil-A for you, a chance to get qualified for the Outgame and Catering Party. And who knows what else may rear its ugly head here on the opening kickoff. But we're just getting started with the scoreboard traffic and weather off and running right here on the sports station WNSP. Hi, this is Bo Manning, my co-producer of Training Days, Rolling with the Tide, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5 Mobile. Hurts. Good protection. Time runs out. Touchdown, Zacchaeus. 621, thanks for hanging with us. The opening kickoff, we're just getting rolling here on a Tuesday edition. Mark, for Jalen Hurts now, of the last 21 games he has started, the Eagles have won 20. Little fact for the day. How about that? Look at you, just... You're doing your homework today. Well, we still got a ways to go for the Chick-fil-A. That will not be the question, but I do have one in about two hours. All right, well, I will. Uh, I'm on the edge of my seat, ladies and gentlemen. Meanwhile, uh, come join WNSP for the Alabama Watch Party this Saturday, ladies and gentlemen. The Alabama Watch Party will be at the Stables Bar downtown off St. Francis Street uh, when the Crimson Tide takes on Mississippi State. We'll be giving away an Alabama jersey, courtesy of the vault, at halftime. And, of course, you'll walk away just by showing up with a free WNSP T-shirt. Uh, so they'll have a plenty of drink specials, and of course we'll be hanging out there 
uh, throughout the course of the game. It's the WNSP Alabama Watch Party at the Stables Bar downtown off St. Francis Street this Saturday when Alabama takes on Mississippi State. I'm not one to sit around and analyze quotes. There's so much verbiage going on. There was so much over the weekend. We talked about the Ohio State coach ranting on Holtz, landing, going after uh, uh, Colorado. But a couple of comments came out yesterday, which, you know, and look, I don't mind because it's good talk. I'm a fan of Sean Payton to a degree. Not a big fan of his movie, but a fan of Sean Payton. Really? Because that's getting a lot of play, actually. Oh, yeah. Have you, you've seen it, haven't you? Yeah. All right. Um, and he came out yesterday at his press conference, or maybe this was Sunday night. I'm sorry. It must have been Sunday after they got blown to smithereens, 70 to 50. And he jumped on a reporter for asking a question for which he didn't want to be asked because obviously they it was an embarrassing loss to say the least. But this is the same coach that ranted on the former coach, Nathaniel Hackett, right. who's now the offensive coordinator. Can you get it both ways? He went. He did something that very few coaches ever do, and that's rant on a former coach, a member of his coaching fraternity. He took some grief for that, and Hackett, to his credit, he didn't really come back at him. This was basically Peyton when he took over Denver is criticizing what Hackett was doing. So then he gets blown out and and arguably one of the most embarrassing losses ever suffered by an NFL team losing by 50 points, and he jumps on a reporter for asking a question. Now, he's got to sit there and take his medicine. That's I mean, he's I he's opened Pandora's box now, and you come out and you make a statement like that was the worst coaching job ever, and then you go out and arguably have the worst coaching job in the history of coaching, and that's saying something. What and was get, the question? Uh, I don't I don't. I think the it, it reporter was, t- was just asking about how they felt about the historically bad loss, and say, yeah. and then, um, and then Peyton just got all jumpy about what's the question? What's the question? I just finished telling you. Next question. Like he didn't want to answer the question mm. or talk to the subject. But this is a guy that um, you mentioned the the movie. There are a lot of there's a lot of memes out there with the real Kevin like the real Sean Payton coaching the Broncos and it's a picture of Kevin James like they <laughs> they good. they paid for this Sean uh, Sean Payton they got a picture of Sean Payton they got this Sean Payton and they got Kevin James in the headset no he deserves everything he's getting right now because he opened himself up to that when you when you're as critical as he was of the past regime that's gonna come bite you in the ass and it 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 got him pretty good and so he's got to stand up there. And take it. That's what I say. I, I, I'm very disappointed in him. I'm also disappointed in my favorite athletes of all time, and that's Joe Namath. You know, I'm a Namath fan. Um, I was certainly one of many that enjoyed the Jets Super Bowl. But he just lashed out at Zach Wilson and at the same time lashed out at the head coach, Robert Salee, for showing confidence in him. And basically, Namath came out and said, let's get rid of him. I mean, he didn't say it in those words, but that was the tone. We need somebody else. He's not getting the job done. I'm tired of looking at him, right? This is the same Joe Namath that virtually predicted the Jets would get to the Super Bowl when they had Rodgers at quarterback. So what Namath is saying, and you know this is getting a lot of play in the New York media now, because anytime Joe Namath says anything, you know, they just gravitate to him. So this is really putting Wilson under the bus. Like, he hasn't had enough heaped upon him in his two years there. So let's bury him even further. Lee, he's right. 
Uh, I mean, I and this being said, uh, Roger, I think the Jets with Rodgers, it was overhyped. I, I don't think they were this perennial Super Bowl contender like many were billing them to be. But, I mean, Zach Wilson deserves every bit of criticism he's gotten. He was the number two overall pick, and frankly, he's the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. Uh, Justin Fields is on line one. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. I mean, take take your take your pick between you know, the two. I won't I won't argue. That. I won't argue that hard. I, I agree but. with Mark on that one. That fi- fine. I won't. I won't argue. I mean, Fields is I mean, horrendous too. All right. Too, Let me, okay. We know Zach Wilson has not proven himself. He has not been a very good uh, draft pick. But I mean, what does it accomplish by Namath coming in out? Because most people feel the same way. Now, Joe, on one hand, is is a. a you know, obviously a proponent of the Jets having played for them and led him to a Super Bowl. But, I mean, how does this help the situation any? Or, you know, he Joe being a – this is the whole thing again. Being a quarterback, how does that help Zach Wilson? Because now you're going to get a lot of feedback from players and Wilson about Namus comments. Fair enough. I Th- think It doesn't help the franchise one iota going forward. I think he's speaking more probably as a frustrated guy who wants the Jets to win and wants to bring in a new quarterback. Like, they should bring in – He's not running the team and he doesn't own the team i mean fair enough but he's telling the people who do own the team bring in a new quarterback go trade for kirk cousins from the zero and three vikings do something i mean the team is too good to let zach wilson ruin it you know this was mentioned yesterday on some radio but there's a war on old people this week hey what stop talking about me i know (laughs) so corso was getting it like oh the lou holtz thing the lou holtz thing now now the name of thing Everybody's uh, mad at Lee for something, I'm sure, at some point in his career. Like, everybody's just like, it's like a, we've declared war on who, who was the, on the senior well, citizens. I, I read that thing about course, so that was ridiculous. Who was, uh, it was the uh, Washington State coach. Yeah, it was Ryan Leaf. First it was, yeah, first it was, was Dickert, and then it was Ryan okay. Leaf. Now, let me ask you this, and uh, we've seen a lot of commentary coming out these days, most of it from Pac-12 coaches. Yeah. Do they chip on their shoulder now because they're not going to have a conference next year? It seems they're so quotable these days, and they're all going after And to pick on Corso? Come on. I just think you old guys, man, need to need to pipe Picking down. On pipe down with I all your hard-hitting this, opinions. I don't really care one way or another when Kirk Herbstreet says something, but I will commend him for coming to the defense of Corso. Ryan Day said, "Where I'd like to know where Lou Holtz is now. Like yeah. he hasn't been asleep yeah. for four hours. Dude already. had dinner at four thirty. He's been <laughs> in bed since eight. That, was, that, man that was ridiculous. I'm still waiting for Lee uh, for uh, actually for Lou Holtz to respond. I haven't seen him. He a response. doesn't know where he is. That's not true. How many times are you going to respond with Lou Holtz? Hey, that was pretty good. Pretty good, Lee. All right, Ron. Speaking of Lee, Ron Lee set to join us next right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Stay with us. Mixon makes a cut. Joe Mixon. Tonight's first touchdown, and the Bengals go on top. All right, welcome back in. 6.32 here on a Tuesday edition. It's the opening kickoff. Mark, I'm Lee Shervanian, Michael Bronner in the studios of WNSP. Uh, we're going to be talking to Ron Lee of St. Luke's, having a great start to the season. But again, listening to Belichick, who usually says nothing and avoids questions like the plague. But uh, on his radio show yesterday, Mark, I hope we get this comment. He was asked about the Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift matchup or pairing. Just admit that you're a big Swifty. It's okay. No one's going to think any less of you. 
You ever go to the dog track when they say, here comes Swifty? Anyway, so Belichick said, Travis Kelsey is, I'm quoting him, which isn't difficult. Uh, he said that uh, Travis Kelsey's caught a lot of passes in his career, but this could be his biggest catch ever. I have the clip if you want to hear it. Let's okay, do it. Okay, good, because he it. has me sending it to you. Yeah, let's do okay. it. Let's hear it. Where do you fall on that? <laughs> Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift, power couple in the NFL. Travis Kelsey's had a lot of big catches in his career. <laughs> <laughs> this would be the biggest. Have you ever heard Belichick's so light? You know, usually, Cincinnati, next game. He, he never says anything. That, he's softening. Maybe he's been listening to Nick Saban. I know. What's the world coming to? Well, the world is coming to success at St. Luke's. Ron Lee's on the line with us right now. Ron, good morning. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing good. Good morning to you. Good morning to you. Uh, top 10 team this year. Pardon me? You're in the top 10 this year, aren't you? Oh, <laughs> I'm not sure about that, but we're here. Well, no, I mean, I saw your name in the top 10 prior to your game this past Friday. Seems like you've been locked in a lot of close games. Can you talk about your team and the ability to uh, come out winners in very tight games? Oh, I, I would think a lot of that is just the uh, the fact that our kids believe that they're going to win right now. This group has put the fun back in football, not necessarily with the wins, but just what they do in the locker room and how they um, react with each other. It's a it's a fun group to coach this year. Hey, Ron, I wasn't even going to go this direction, but I can't help it. We had Rick Calling on yesterday. You, you're familiar with him. I'm very familiar with Coach, yes. And he talked about it, Murphy, when he was, I think he said he was your offensive coordinator, that he ran the single right. wing. Right. He had to because he didn't have any quarterbacks. But you used to run a lot of different formations. You were really the architect of the single wing. Are you doing that at St. Luke's? You know, it's uh, we do some of it. We do. I don't think we'll ever get away from that part of the game because uh, – you know, our players like it. They feel like they've got ownership in it, and they're willing to work hard at it. And anything a player's willing to work hard at, I'm, I'm all about that. So who are some of the leaders of the St. Luke's team? Well, that's interesting. We have six of uh, our 14 freshmen. We have 14 freshmen on the team this year, and six of them are starting. Um, but I think that is a lot attributed to our seniors, Brody Hale, Will Spivey, Aiden Brawless, Terrence Howes. All of those guys have been in the program, and they've managed to mentor our freshmen that are coming in. And uh, like I say, the chemistry in the locker room is just unbelievable this year. But um, our seniors have done a great job. Of course, our ninth graders, uh, they're on the field, both offensively and defensively. Some of them never come off the field. Uh, but anyway, with that, we've got a, a group of leaders throughout the team. Is that unheard of, six freshmen seeing so much action? Well, you know, at the 2A level, um, for us it has been. Uh, for other teams, you know, you'll see one or two freshmen scattered out uh, through the course of the night. So we're very, very lucky that we have – these guys that are willing to come to practice every day and know that they're definitely going to be out age. You're talking about a 14-year-old going up against some 17 and 18s, but 
once the game starts, they just love to play football, and they approach it in a manner of we're going to go out there and have a good time and do the best we can. Who's next up on the schedule? Well, that little team up north called Leroy. We're playing Leroy Friday night. So that should be a really good challenge for us. Yeah, and you've met every challenge so far, undefeated. And who are some of the teams to watch out for in 2A as you make your way through the regular season schedule and hopefully into the postseason? Well, definitely in our region, you know, Clark County's coming up and they're having a uh, super year. Uh, as usual, we play after Leroy, we'll play Francis Marion, and Francis Marion's one of those teams that have a lot of athletes on it, and they can be explosive anytime they touch the ball. You know, down here, I think Chickasaw has decided that, that they can compete with anybody. They've been in a lot of close ball games this year. Um, and you can't forget J.U. Blackshear, that's who we played last year. Uh, Friday night, and they held us to 13 points, and we were lucky to hold them to eight. Uh, You know, it was one of those games that turned into a defensive battle early. Coach, always great to have you on the show, man. We really do appreciate it. Uh, Continued success this season. We look forward to doing it again soon. We appreciate that. Thank you, guys. I hope you have a good day. You too. That's uh, St. Luke's coach, Ron Lee. Uh, reminder, we got to get you qualified for the Alec Naiman catering party. Uh, so we'll be doing that in hour number two. We got some uh, Chick-fil-A for you in hour number three as well. Unofficial poll question of the day. Which one of the following experienced veterans is most at fault for their comments? Lee Corso, Lou Holtz, Joe Namath. And just for fun, Lee Shervanian. Although I'm not sure you've had a real hot take on anything. I must have missed the Corso thing. So it sounds like it was just a little uh, a misunderstanding more than anything. So Lee Corso was on game day, and they were talking about the Washington State-Oregon State uh, game. And it's they're the two teams in the Pac-12 that don't have a landing spot after this whole – all the dust settles, right? So Corso – was kind of going off, and he, he said, well, what was interpreted by the Washington State coach was, he said it's the no one watches bowl. And so after they won, he goes on this rant about how people watch Washington State, and I, he didn't know what Corso was saying, and it was just ridiculous. Kirk Herbstreit comes to his defense and said what he was saying was um, – Nobody wants us bowl mm. because they were these Pac-12 teams that right, and that it wasn't that nobody wants to watch them. The Pac-2 championship, yeah. So it just become it just kind of became this thing. And to be honest with you, and then Ryan Leaf jumped in before Herb Street. Leaf Ryan Leaf jumping in is what started Herb Street in on it, because um, you know Leaf was like, you know, College Game Day is supposed to be a celebration of college football and. They're going after my team and, you know, called them wind socks, whatever the hell that is. What's a wind sock? Is that is that something? Is that, a, is that a bad word? No, but I think uh, what's the guy's name? I don't even know his name. Washington Zingert? Dickert? Dickert. Dickert. Okay. 
Yeah, and, and this falls under the realm. Oh, yeah, coaches never listen to TV or ever pick up on quotes because they're too busy getting their team prepared for the game. Yeah, right. But we've spent the last, like, 72 hours screaming at old people. I mean, I do that for a living, so I feel like I should get a pass. But Is your father immune from your attacks? Yes. Yes. Good, I'm glad because I he get, seems like a nicer guy than you. Well, what happens is like uh, I get I get it all out from six to nine a.m. Oh, is that? And it? I got nothing left in the tank. I'm running on or, empty over or here. Or could it be? Let's see. Mark doesn't need to be in the will. Marcus, Marcus, <laughs> uh, half of nothing is nothing. I can assure you, people. Marcus <laughs> says a windsock is a weather instrument. Well, then, if that's the case, then Ryan Leaf needs to work on his trash-talking game. Cause odd insult. <laughs> that is an odd, that is an odd na- uh, word to be thrown out there. I think picking on Corso, to me, is ridiculous. It sounds I like that one was just a misunderstanding. It's yeah. worse than picking on Lou Holtz. Look, Lou's entitled to his opinion. Uh, <laughs> I, on one degree, I really like Lou, but on the other hand, I don't because of his ill-fated stay with the Jets as head coach, but he was a very fine college coach, very fine magician, by the way, Michael. Uh, a magician? He's a very good magician. Look up a clip I've of actually that. seen him in uh, action. Uh, got to meet him in person. Uh, I don't know why he is the one being quoted. I'm assuming he must have been at the game. Lou Holtz? Yeah. No, before the game, Lou Holtz questioned uh, Ohio State's uh, yeah, tough, physicality. Toughness. But did he go to the game? That's what I meant. Uh, unlikely. All right. Unlikely. It was, a, it was pretty late that night and he's like 90 he is what he's what 86 88 i think is he i think if 86 I it says right here 86 years old so lou holtz i guess he was doing a show or say he was asked about it um he says everybody that beats him does so because they're more physical than ohio state just tell us ohio state this you tell them they better bring their lunch because it's going to be a full day full day's work and let me ask you either, he wasn't wrong with that statement let me ask either of you though uh, putting ryan day's comments aside and when we get to jerry palm at 7 30 if i was voting i'd put ohio state over michigan that's that's me i have michigan hasn't beaten hardly anybody of any note here's ohio state going to notre dame mm-hmm. winning over notre dame i think they deserve to be rated higher than michigan that's just me well we can bring that up with jerry palm depends how much you Value the preseason rankings, I guess. It's not like Michigan has done anything to drop. So, But, yes, you're right. They haven't played anyone. So it depends how much you value a good win that was close. And, you know, Ohio State didn't look good in week one against Indiana either, whereas Michigan has been blowing out the teams, you know, that aren't good that they should hey, be Hey, they were out. trailing Rutgers 7 nothing. Hey, yeah. according to Ryan Day, they've had one bad half of football for like over the last two or three years. What They're was warriors. The, what, was, what was that about? Yeah, that was the that was the most egregious part of the quote. He's like, people want to question this team. Well, maybe if you hadn't gotten shellacked by your biggest rival for two years in yeah. a row, people wouldn't go and question the team. Well, here's the other thing too. He hasn't really been quoted hardly at all. You never hear from Ryan Day. Yeah, I don't like him. <laughs> well, you don't like anybody. You don't like anybody. I found myself cheering for Notre Dame in that game. I wanted to see Ohio so State. Did I. So did I. I like Marcus Freeman. I do, too. Yeah, I, I, yeah uh, except dude clearly can't count, or somebody in the staff yeah. can't count. I like and, Sam Hartman. And I don't I don't buy the whole we didn't want to take a penalty because it happened twice, right, where they had 10 guys in back-to-back plays. So clearly they didn't know what was going on over there. And it just the, – the margin of error for error is so slim in games like that. You just – and, of course – 
like we talked about yesterday, Ohio State scored exactly where there was supposed to be an 11th guy. You know, you could understand if a school like Shepherd College in West Virginia didn't have enough players because I'm sure they don't have 20 analysts and a full complement of coaches. But how do you justify not knowing not one but two plays, especially as an important game as that, and you've got all these coaches on the sideline, all these people up there in the press box. What's with the shot at Tyson Badgen there? He's about to be the Bears' starting quarterback in a couple of weeks. That was not a shot at Shepard. It was, wasn't that the school, correct me, where the female played, the first non-female kicker played this uh, weekend? There was a feature on her. I first female that was a non-kicker. Non-kicker. Actually played defensive okay, back I'm thinking or there were a lot of non-female kickers in the world, but yes. No, this was in a, in a real game. Uh, check it out. I think it was Shepard, but I could be wrong. I'll, I'll get that confirmed. You do that. But, um, By the way, a shout-out to Marcus in the app for putting a picture of a windsock out there. I did not know that was a windsock. If you that's see? what he's calling Lee Corso, that honestly is a pretty good insult. Well, does he deserve to be insulted? Don't you get a hall pass after a while? Yeah, I, I I think it's 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 a bit of a easy pickings to go after Lee Corso. He hasn't he's done so much for the game. Yeah. Being on that show, he makes that show, and that, it'd be the same thing like with Dick Vitale, hired back what early '80s, and and how he's continued on. It's like the Corso of college basketball. Um, I don't know if your longevity gives you a pass. I would give Lee Corso a pass for a little bit different reason. I, mean, I think it's clear that at his age he is. Is he the one that's eighty-eight? He's he's slipping a little he's, bit. He's sli- he's slipping a little bit. They're they're having to help him, and I'm not being critical, but I just think you have to take that in mind when you go after somebody like that. Yeah, he's eighty-eight. Clearly, his role has been diminished on that show. Uh, he's still a highlight. I'm not taking anything away from him or that show, but I, I I do think I don't think you give him a pass because he's done all these great things for, you know college well, football but i do think you I give do. him a pass because i mean we're because he's lee corso and i think there's some issues there that i think they're trying to help him through which is just the natural way of life i mean i don't really know how else to say it um God. now lou holtz was you know if you want to go after lou holtz for what he said it's if, a bit if more lou holtz it. is the reason that you have to is is your motivation then so be it. He is certainly of sound mind and knew exactly what he was saying. Um, I just hope when I get into my 80s, you're a little more condescending to me and help me along. You want me to be more condescending? Oh, yeah, because you haven't been enough lately. Wow. Michael's the one that's been chewing me up. I'm not chewing you up. Yeah. You going to help me when I get into my 80s, Michael? No. Thank you. What makes you think we're not helping you now? Maybe maybe you are. You're just not knowing it. No, I don't feel it at all. What, well, when feeling. I literally pick you up and carry you to your cubicle after every <laughs> – I mean, my back's killing me. I'll start going. You're lucky. You're lucky, your I'm, still, you're lucky I'm still at my playing weight. No, so the, I think the difference is – I know we got to take a break, but I think the difference is Corso was just misunderstood. He was. Right? Yeah. I mean, Lou Holtz came out and said, Notre Dame's a better football team than Ohio State. Let me tell you why. We have the best – we have the best offensive line in the country. Sam Hartman won't even get his jersey dirty all year. He has time to throw the football. We're having gr- – uh, we have great running backs, averaging 10 yards a carry. We have great receivers. Ob- offensively, we're set, and defensively, our defensive line is better. I coach under Woody Hayes at Ohio State. We won the national championship when I was there. I'm proud of that. However, he has lost to Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Michigan twice, and everybody that beats him does so because they're more physical than Ohio State. And I think Notre Dame will have the same approach. One bad half. 
So he go he goes on to but obviously his argument cites reasonable and legitimate information. So if you want to go after him for that, then okay. But to I think most people's points, of all the things that could get Ryan Day stirred up, why is it a eighty six year old man talking about a team he coached, you know, three decades ago? Whatever gets you what, it's like the Michael Jordan thing, man. Whatever motivates you. All right, we come back. David Green's going to join us. Uh, Travis Ryer at 7 o'clock. Jerry Palm at 7.30. Dean Wade at 8 o'clock. Stay with us. Plenty left. We're wrapping up hour number one next right here on the sports station, WNSP. Hi, this is Cornelius Bennett, three-time All-American College Football Hall of Fame, and you're listening to WNSP. Welcome back in. Wrapping up hour number one with little 80s. Little, little 80s drama. Or is that 90s? It's probably 90s. 90s. 80s, 90s. I'll check it out. Because it's all the same to Bronner. Yeah, it came up to Freezy. <laughs> came up to Freezy the other day, and I started to watch it. I don't remember. I, 80s or 90s. Anyway. I think it's 80s. Okay. Let's talk to David Green. That's more uh, 2020, 2023 as far as uh, lawyers go with Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm. Although... I think, David, didn't you just celebrate 25 years, something like that? Yes, we did. Uh, May 1st was 25 years. And, uh, gosh, it's amazing how um, how quickly that flew by. Uh, and so, gosh, yeah, 25 years. So it's been, uh, been a, great, a great time and helped a bunch of people over those years. You've helped a lot, especially I know we talk a lot about traffic accidents, mishaps on the road. What about industrial accidents? Are you very much involved in that? Well, as a matter of fact, we are. Uh, over the years, you know, uh, we've been involved in a number of very, very serious industrial accidents. Uh, my background, uh, some people know, uh, my father was a paper mill worker. Uh, my uncles all worked at the paper mill. They were pipe fitters and, you know, electricians and that type of thing. And so, uh, you know, I grew up around uh, guys working uh, out uh, at the paper mill, and I would just remember Many times I would, you know, hear Dad talk about someone being seriously hurt, and uh, you know, really it just, uh, you know, really, really it's probably because of the you know, because of hearing all that and learning that. It's, that's probably why I, I do what I do because I always heard of folks getting hurt at the paper mill, and uh, you know, the bottom line is folks need to really recognize that you, you've got to make sure you tell your employer. And so a lot of times people are so afraid if you're hurt on the job to even tell them. And so that's one of the most important things you can do is make sure you let your employer know because there are a lot of benefits that you're entitled to um, as a result of your being injured at that industry. So do you recommend if you're injured getting an attorney right of the way, right away? You know, it's very personal. And uh, some people uh, decide they want to talk to someone right away. I think it's probably a, a really good idea to have a conversation uh, with a lawyer of your choice, uh, a local lawyer of your choice, very, very important. Um, just, you know, have a phone call with them, uh, you know, run by the office, uh, have a conversation with them so you can really understand the process. You're going to have all these people coming at you from, you know, nurse case managers through the workers' compensation and all these different things, and folks just don't understand what the rules are, and they really don't understand what they have to do and what they don't have to do. And so 
very, very important to understand that you need to talk to someone. Uh, many times uh, these type cases have what we call a third-party case, uh, which really can make a huge difference uh, if, you, if you know to do that. Uh, I know we've had cases against the steel mills and cases against various other um, entities around. And, uh, you know, gosh, it just really it's very, very important to have someone who understands that process of working with workers' compensation and going after that third-party claimant or being a third-party claimant to make sure that you're, you're compensated for your injury. David, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Uh, how can people reach you at Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm? Yes, very easy. Uh, GreenPhillips.com, that's the easiest way to, to, to reach us. Uh, fill out the contact form or call us, uh, 251-300-2000, or stop by 51 North Florida Street here in Midtown Mobile or the Forbes Building in Birmingham. Hey, David, we appreciate everything, man. Have a great week. You too, guys. Take care. God bless. Coming up, uh, Travis Ryer on uh, Alabama. Uh, actually, Nick Saban. So Nick Saban does this thing where he kind of diagrams the play. Uh, uh, Chris Stewart has talked about it. We really got to talk to Chris Stewart about this because I'd love to get his reaction this week. And so he diagrammed the, the block punt. It's fascinating. He does it all the time. It's really kind of cool to watch, and it worked perfectly. But he really had this short little quip after uh, kind of talking about the the plays that followed that, about how it just didn't really work out for him. Um, again, a, a different side of Nick Saban, for better or for worse. So uh, we'll talk to uh, Travis Ryer about that, uh, along with some other things. Jerry Palm's going to join us. We'll get his take on the national scene. I'm coming up in hour number two, and you also will play another round of Naming It for the Alec Naming Catering Party. And that's all coming up in hour number two. So there's plenty to get to. We have kind of asked the... Uh, the unofficial poll question of the day. I don't even know how to phrase it. Which which person is more in the wrong? Which which I guess Lee Corso, Lou Holtz, and Joe Namath all spouting off. We'll throw Lee Shervanian in there just for fun. Corso, Holtz, Namath, or Shervanian. There's a there's a group I never thought I'd. That's pretty impressive company right there, huh, Lee? I'm the youngest of the four. You are you the young buck in the yeah, group? Yeah, I'm the, the kind troublemaker. Of the I still have a ways to go to catch those guys. Yeah. All right. Hit us up in the app. Let me know. WNSP.com. The opening kickoff continues. Mark Kime, Alicia Trevanian, and Michael Braun are all in the studios of WNSP. Stay with us. is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station 105.5 FM WNSP and on the Sound of Mobile app the latest sports news traffic weather and timely guests with Mark Heim Lee Shervanian and Michael Brauner the opening kickoff, opening kickoff. kickoff. here are Mark Lee and Michael Hey, it's 7.05, hour number two. Thanks for making us part of your morning. The opening kickoff continues from the studios of WNSP. Some of the headlines, the Eagles win their third in a row. And since Jalen Hurts, uh, the last 21 games he has started, the Eagles are 20-1 and one as they hand Tampa 
their first loss. And by the way, every team now, Mark, in the NFC South lost this week. Falcons, Tampa, Carolina. Oh, yeah, and the Saints, too. So, and they, by the way, the Saints host Tampa uh, next Sunday. Also, the Bengals got their first win. Burroughs played. He's been bothered by a calf injury. Not his greatest day passing, but with four field goals by McPherson, they won that game. If you watch the Eagles game, you again saw every time Eagles had like third and one or fourth and one or whatever at the goal line, they get into that <laughs> rugby spot. I call it a rugby style formation and just push. Jalen Hurts across the line. You have to line. say it the right way. It's the tush push. Tush say push. It. Tush push. There you go. That, it right. just it just hits different when Lee says it. All right. Tush push. There you go. So that being the case, as we talk to Travis Ryer now from On3, talking Alabama, Bama Online. Good morning, Travis. How are you today? I'm great. How are you guys? So do you think maybe Nick Saban would call the Eagles, in particular Jalen Hurts, and say, hey, can you give me some information on uh, the tush push and we can do it? Yeah, you know, it was interesting because the week before at South Florida, we actually saw Alabama late in that game go from under center with quarterback sneaks with Ty Simpson. So uh, it was a little bit of a confounding situation against Ole Miss to see the Crimson Tide in the gun with uh, Jalen Milrow with all the, the variables that are in play for that offense right now. But um Get the sense after yesterday that uh, we might see Jalen under center if it, if it comes up again this week. At the uh, press conference, his name was mentioned as one of the players to be interviewed. Did you get a chance to hear him, talk to him at all? Yeah, you know, Jalen's spoken a couple times now. I think more so post game, but um, impressive every time you hear from him. And, uh, you know, a guy that obviously at this point in his career understands the situation that he's in and, you know, everything that comes with it. And uh, it's a great responsibility for him. And, uh, you know, he's been a little bit up and down and continues to make some of the same mistakes on a week-in and week-out basis. But uh, you can't deny the explosiveness that they've had in the passing game. And I give his receivers a lot of credit last week, too. I thought – um, several of those guys went up and made plays for him, not just wide receivers either, but we saw it really from all three of the tight ends and uh, the running backs when they've had the opportunity have delivered as well. From everything you've seen and heard and the small body of work so far, are you okay with uh, Jalen Milrow as the quarterback over the other competitors? I think right now, again, based on the limited sample size and just a little bit we saw from uh, Tyler Buckner and, and Ty um, against South Florida, uh, it continues for me to go back to the explosive play capability, not just with his arm, but also with his legs. We saw a little bit more in terms of design quarterback runs with Jalen against Ole Miss. They had some success early in the game with what was essentially uh, – sort of quarterback off tackle play that picked up 21 yards so seems like they're expanding their horizons a little bit with him in the run game uh, and that'll be interesting to watch this week because the last three quarterbacks that Mississippi State has faced uh, have given the Bulldogs some trouble with their ability to run so uh, I would expect that to, to be something that's dialed up early and start Bill but um you know, there's still going to be uncertainty because this is Jalen's first true road start. Um, the, the turnovers have, have not only uh, been an issue 
uh, in his last two starts is that they've been of the field flipping variety too. And they, they've been uh, critical in nature, not just in terms of you know, taking the ball away from Alabama, but points off the board and, and also for you know Texas, it set up 10 points on the doorstep basically uh, of the Alabama goal line. So uh, it's not always how many you have, it's, it's how and where you have them. And so those are the things you'd like to see him continue to clean up. But, again, I think just with his ability to hit plays down the field, I mean, Jermaine Burton in each of Milrow's three starts has had at least one catch of 48 yards or more. So I think he, I think he likes number four back there. But, um, you know, Jalen's still a work in progress. He's Travis Ryer. He joins us here on WNSP. All right, defensively, I think they're playing lights out for the most part. Uh, with that said, what do you, what's going on with Deontay Lawson? And if he can't go this weekend, wh- where does Alabama turn? Yeah, it's going to be a storyline, obviously, throughout the week. Not just because Deontay is uh, a guy who can make plays from sideline to sideline, but he is the central communicator yeah. at that position. Now, they've got some other guys. This is where going to the portal for a guy like Trez Marshall helps because uh, he's a veteran in this system, albeit previous stop more so at georgia but again there's translation there's carryover from system to system so you know he can do some of that i think jihad campbell is at a point where he can do some of that as well uh, they played kendrick blackshire so that platoon system really opposite deontay has been is now beneficial to them if they don't have him this week because they've got three other guys uh, that they've played a good bit at those inside positions so uh, it's not ideal, obviously, if they don't have Deontay, but I think, again, with how they've sort of navigated that other spot uh, to this point through four games, it's something that, that they at least feel somewhat comfortable with those three guys. And perhaps, you know, another guy emerges situationally, maybe a Sean Murphy or, or one of those other guys gets an opportunity if Deontay's out. It's rare in this day and age of college football to take on a team that literally has a veteran quarterback. It seems like Will Rogers has been there forever and is on the brink of establishing uh, uh, SEC records in, in passing yardage and so forth. Have you heard much about what he has done this year, though? He seems to be I'm not hearing that much about him in the SEC outside of uh, Starkville. Yeah, well, he's coming off a huge game at South Carolina last Saturday night. He threw for 487 yards and a touchdown and kind of Tulu Griffin's coming out party at the slot receiver position, known mostly as a kick returner in his state career to date. uh, You know, Griffin caught seven balls for 256 against uh, South Carolina in that seven-point loss for state. So, uh, kind of came out of nowhere because, you know, with the change from the air raid under the late Mike Leach to more of what Mississippi State wants to be about offensively under Zach Arnett, um, hadn't really seen this coming from the state offense or the passing game. And then uh, the huge performance uh, against SC over the weekend. So it'll be interesting. You know, this is Will Rogers' fourth appearance against Alabama. 2020 he came off the bench uh, in an injury situation uh, and saw action in Tuscaloosa two years ago. He was sacked seven times by Alabama and Starkville. So it's been anything but pleasant for him to this point. And I think it'll still, even with that outburst against South Carolina last week, I think ideally 
you know, Arnett wants more balance. He wants more of a legitimate run game. And that starts with Woody Marks at the running back position and then, you know, kind of work off of him. But, you know, Rodgers is certainly capable. And Griffin, that was a very nice bit of good news for that offense because going into the season, you really wondered about State's viability in terms of explosive plays on the outside. And, uh, again, Griffin can do most of his best work from inside, so you could have a matchup with Malachi Moore on Tulu Griffin for much of the night Saturday. Travis, uh, I wonder, while we're talking about last week, I did want to get your thoughts on kind of the way that the Lane Kiffin narrative has played out since losing to Alabama. A lot of words being thrown out there, clown, troll, whatever. Say what you want. I, I do find it interesting of, I think, all – Saban's former assistants want to beat him but it just seems so personal to Lane Kiffin like he really really wants that win and it just keeps evading him and I, I'm not sure he'll I think to his point I don't think he's ever gonna get it <laughs> I don't know you know ever's a long time although Nick is obviously nearing yeah completion uh, Alabama fans don't want to want to hear that but you know he is in his early 70s now so uh, this did have kind of the feel of, if not now, then when. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Ole Miss gets off to the start that it needed in the game. Up 7-3, to three, has the football. Lane comes with a trick formation to open that possession after the impressive touchdown drive. And it just seemed like from that point forward, Ole Miss never really asserted any type of consistency on offense. They got hit with an illegal formation penalty on that trick formation, got behind the sticks, um, and then it, it just wasn't the same old Miss offense and the Alabama defense you give a lot of credit because they kind of got things going and, and collectively from 1 through 11 on that side of the ball played at an exceptionally high level. But, yeah, it does kind of have that feeling for, for Lane. I guess sometimes you can want something too much, and it, yeah. it does. It seems like Lane more so than maybe even a championship or – uh, you know, something along those lines would, would relish a win over Nick Saban as much as anything. Yeah. Hey, uh, appreciate it, man. Tell everybody how they can uh, get the latest and greatest on all things Alabama. Just go to BamaOnline.com. We also have our new YouTube channel for BamaOnline.com. Tons of video content going up there on YouTube. Our handle, our channel there on YouTube, at BOL on YouTube. Hey, man, have a great week. As always, we appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Yep, Travis Ryer, ladies and gentlemen. Want to let you know, speaking of Alabama and the Mississippi State game, WNSP's Alabama Watch Party is this Saturday. Uh, come on by the Stables Bar downtown off St. Francis Street uh, for the big game. We'll be giving away an Alabama jersey courtesy of the vault. That'll happen at halftime. But if you just show up, you'll be walking away with a free WNSP T-shirt. They'll have plenty of drink specials as well. And, of course, you can't miss us. We'll have Air Sports 1 sitting right out there. So come on by the Stables Bar downtown off St. Francis Street this Saturday for the Alabama Watch Party. Alabama, Mississippi State. It's going to be a good one. All right, we come back. Scoreboard, traffic, weather. We'll catch up with Michael Holland, Jerry Palm. Uh, coming up as well, and another rendition of Naming It right here on the Sports Station. WNSP and WNSP.com. It's the opening kickoff. Stay with us. This is Brad Nessler, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5 in Mobile. 
Where do you fall on that? <laughs> Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift, power couple in the NFL. Travis Kelsey's had a lot of big catches in his career. <laughs> <laughs> this would be the biggest. Seven twenty-four. Welcome back in the opening kickoff. You know they got some nicknames out there that people are working on right now, Lee. We'll have to get to that. I know you're big into this Taylor Swift story, so you know they got a, you know they're combining the names for you know little nicknames. We'll we'll get to it. Yeah, it seems like they've done that with power couples over the years. Yep. Remember, it was Aflac, Jennifer Lopez. I think they gave them a, uh, a kind of a nickname and so forth. But I'll tell you what, we're going to get off that for a minute because talk about somebody that's really done a great job for us is Michael Holland, the market president with uh, Bryant Bank. Uh, we they, Yesterday we mentioned that uh, C.J. Butler of Davidson, the running back, was honored as the Bryant Bank Player of the Week. Always uh, look forward to Friday night to find out who the next player of the week is going to be. And Michael's on the phone with us right now. Michael, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Hey, good morning, Mark. Good morning, Lee. All right, last week the subject matter was fraud. So what can listeners do now to protect themselves from bank fraud? Yeah, Lee, uh, we talked about mail fraud and how it happened and, and how you could protect yourself businesses. If you haven't asked your banker about positive pay, that needs to be on your to-do list this week. Uh, but as a consumer, uh, one way you can protect yourself is by getting your uh, bank statement sent to you online. Just avoid the mail completely. Uh, so that's one thing you can do. Another thing you can do is start paying your bills online. Again, avoiding the U.S. Postal Service. Send those bills electronically, and they'll arrive at your vendor, ACH. So those are two things that you can do. And another thing uh, that you can do to protect yourself against fraud is set alerts on your checking account and credit cards. That way, if you have an item that clears for an amount and you're not familiar with it, it's going to send you a notice via text message or email, however you want to be notified. And then that way, you'll be able to jump on top of it. If it's something you don't recognize, you then can contact your financial institution and get that uh, cleared. So if you have any questions about how to protect yourself against fraud, uh, contact one of our friendly, experienced bankers at Bryan Bank. We've got four locations in South Alabama. We're in Mobile, Daphne, Foley, and Orange Beach. Or you can give us a call at 264-6575. Michael, as always, thank you ever so much. Look forward to your reports on Friday night during the Pigskin uh, postgame show, and we'll check in with you next Tuesday. That sounds great. Have a great day, guys. Michael Holland with uh, Bryant Bank. All right, so do you like Trailer? Travis and Taylor? No. Do you like Tavis? Taylor and Travis. Uh, what's next? Swellsey. Swellsey? It's different. Those are the top three that I could find on social media in such a short time. I like Trailer. Trailer? But I don't like talking about this. Oh, well, I mean, I guess you don't have to say anything. <laughs> What don't you like? The fact no, that No, I don't mean on this which show. Crazy, I, I, what's crazy, though, is the number of chiefs that were asked about it and were looking up oh my God. At, at her. how many times the camera panned the Kelsey suite. This yeah. whole thing is being just shoved down our throats. You know man. who the big winner is, is mom. Like, oh, she's like hanging out. Too. She went to the, the after party oh with Oh, my God. She's the worst.
Hey, wait, no, wait a minute. Oh, I, I know you pick God. on a lot of people, but to pick on a mother, Why are you on come mom? on, Michael, oh. that's that's going low. I mean, you you can tell about plays stink, players stink, but now mom stink. Come she doesn't on. stink, but oh, what's is, wrong with her? She is, she is, she they, is annoying. It's not. It's, it's, I was watching the uh, Kelsey uh, documentary. Have you seen well, that one yet? On no, Prime. No. Yeah. Well, I know she's yes, very. Yes, I agree with you in the app. By the way. She is she's uh, very visible in it, but that's because people are, they want to talk to her. I mean, it's it's not necessarily her fault that she turned out two football players who met in the Super Bowl, and that's how she got her fame. Uh, you, you can't bl- if, if what she could do not say anything when people come up and want to talk to her, Michael. She doesn't go out requesting the cameras. Hey, make sure you get a picture of me. Or she she kind of does, Lee. No, I think I don't a lot think of them so. do. By the way, yes, I have no doubt she's already working up a song for the breakup. Already, and uh, he knows it, and that's that's the that's the parting gift, he man. Sees, you're sees you're immortalized in the words of Taylor Swift forever. Seems like he's really gone out of his way to meet up with her, because you remember how we talked about yeah, I being mean, shunned by her and she at said a concert, she li- and he she likes that he pursued, but it's more like stalking. If I did it, it'd be stalking. He does it. He's just pursuing. All right. So is she stalking? We need a lawyer to the Chiefs game. Jerry Palms next. And we're going to stem seven up in this gap right here. And when these guys block these guys, he's going to come right through here. And because we got other guys eating up the shield, uh, you're going to see how we're able to block this punt. 7.32, welcome back in. The opening kickoff that, of course, Alabama coach Nick Saban breaking down and dissecting the uh, block punt, which resulted in a field goal. Yeah, after they got the ball at the goal line. Yeah. First and goal at the one, and they settled for a field goal. Yeah. We've talked enough about that. Uh, Let's talk some football overall with uh, Jerry Palm, CBS Sports. Good morning, sir. How are you today? I'm all right. It's, It's kind of weird to hear... You know, a description of Alabama that's similar to Purdue. Purdue can't get one yard a year. Um, <laughs> Did they try the tush push? No, they haven't, actually. But Purdue's had um, 22 plays this year that they've run where they needed one yard to go and it only converted six times. They ought to call Jalen Hurts. He seems to get it done all the time. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you. Well, if we had a quarterback as good as Jalen Hurts. <laughs> I just yeah, want to. I just wanted to ask you first about Ohio State. All right, okay. They they get into the top four of the AP. They they jump over Florida State. But here's my point: why why wouldn't they? If I was voting, if I had a vote, and I wasn't really looking back on the preseason, to me, what they've done is more impressive than what Michigan has done. Why why is Michigan over them when Michigan's beaten nobody so far? Yeah. Um I guess because they they won well enough, and voters are just don't put that much thought into it. Really, um, the polls are the polls. But uh, you know, if the playoff committee were getting together right now and judging teams off of three or four games, which is why they don't get together right now, uh, I don't think there's any question Ohio State would be ahead of Michigan because they've beaten a better team and they did it on the road. You know, and and not to. I guess extended too much further, and and I can understand I guess staying with Georgia because they've won back-to-back titles, but they haven't. Uh, they to they many they haven't either. been that impressive either. No, but it's 
you know, it, it, it's still too early to get worked up about stuff. You know, who, how, who knows how good Notre Dame is going to be? I mean, that's the first time either one of those teams played anybody good, or at least that we believe to be good. You know, Notre Dame may end up 8-4. and four. And then, you know, that's, that win doesn't look as good as we get later in the season. So, you know, we're judging now, you know, based on what little we know in September and still some preseason expectation that is baked into these polls. And it'll be a while before that gets totally sorted out. And the while will be as soon as some of these better teams start playing better opponents. And they haven't all yet. The loss to Ohio State for Notre Dame, in your opinion, does that knock them out of the college football playoff Final Four? Well, it's going to make it hard because now there's no margin for error. They have to be 11-1. and one. Uh, If they get to 11-1, and one, they'll have beaten USC at home. Uh, they'll have a win at Duke that comes this weekend. Um, that, that game is this weekend. Then, you know, that's it in terms of, I, I think of ranked teams left on their schedule. I think that's it, currently ranked teams. They, they play Clemson as well. So, you know, that, that's 11-1. and one. Notre Dame has got a case. So it'll depend on who else is there. But um, I, their margin for error is smaller than everybody else's because they can't get that 13th game. And so, and, uh, um, so yeah, so your, the answer to your question is no, they're not done yet, but it, it's a significant blow to their chances. And to that point, though, they're, they're also probably the biggest Ohio State fans moving forward. Like they need Ohio sure. State to win out, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If Ohio State's out there 13 and 0 or 12 and 1 in the Big Ten champion, you know that's a that's obviously the best case scenario for Notre Dame. Just kind of curious, and this is from a, a TV standpoint: the uh, Alabama game against Ole Miss went at 2:30, and you know Brad Nessler and that group they didn't do that game. They put them on the Penn State Iowa game, and I'm going to tell you, I, I'm not good at predicting games, but I certainly would have been shocked if Iowa beat Penn State. And I would have even been even surprised if Iowa scored more than seven points as it is they got shut out. It was a, it was a terrible game from a competitive yeah. standpoint. Okay. Why yeah. do you think that happened? Why did anybody think that Iowa-Penn State was a good nighttime game? Oh, well, I don't know about that. But um, it was – I mean, Iowa's the top 25 team. They just they, – they're – Iowa's got problems, um, but it's in terms of how the announcers are assigned, I don't really think that was, you know, the quality of the game was taken into account. I think, um, you know, CBS is moving. They're going to have Big Ten games in the future. Now they're contracted. They're going away from SEC to the Big Ten um, starting next year. It'll be just Big Ten. So I think they're probably introducing their what they consider to be their primary crew to the Big Ten because that um, Nestler and Danielson will be doing Big Ten games next year. So I think that's that's what that was about. Um, Iowa is is one of the worst offensive teams for an otherwise good team that you can imagine. I mean, it's just it's insane how bad offensively that team is. And, and that was maybe the worst example even of Iowa offense. Um, but, uh, yeah, the – the, the Alabama-Mississippi game, I think, would have definitely been a better um, game on paper. It was a better game uh, on the field as well. Uh, also, Penn State had the whiteout going, which they really you know, enjoy the whiteout. Um, the TV people do. And, uh, and it works really well for Penn State. But, boy, that was, that was a bad Iowa offense. Uh, and their defense just wore down because they were on the field all the time. It was something like 93 plays to 32 or something like that. The Penn State-Iowa game in terms of snap, offensive snaps. That's insane. Did I read where you have Alabama facing Penn State in a bowl game now? 
Yeah, Peach like, Bowl. Mm-hmm. Which one? Yep, Peach, Bowl? Peach Bowl. Peach. Who do, who do you have in the uh, final four, the bowl matchups? Uh, at the moment, it's still um, Georgia and um, Florida State in one semifinal, the Sugar Bowl, and then Michigan and Texas in the Rose Bowl. He's Jerry Palm. Let me ask you about the other national game that uh, went uh, not <laughs> not to script, Colorado-Oregon. Uh, where do you have Oregon? Because obviously this last week wasn't a real indicator of how good or how bad that team is. I think Colorado had a lot to say about that. But where do you have Oregon and Bo Nix? They seem to be clicking on all cylinders. Yeah, uh, well, we need to see them play some of the better teams, you know, in the Pac-12. Uh, and that's the, the top of the Pac-12 is really strong this year. There's five or six, you know, pretty good teams in that league. And Colorado would be seventh. Um, I, but, you know, you got both Oregon, both Washingtons, and uh, USC and Utah are really good teams. But, you know, Colorado is, is, a, is a decent team as well. Uh, so you've got the, some quality in this league this year. And so until Oregon starts to play those teams, some of those teams, and I think they're – are they playing Utah this week? Is that Utah and Oregon this week, I think? Um, or maybe Utah and Oregon State. Anyways, when Oregon starts to play some of these other teams, that's when we find out, you know, once we get some interplay going on with the, with these teams, that's when we find out how good they are, and they sort themselves out. Yeah, they have uh, – Oregon's got Stanford this week, and I think they're on a bye, right. and it's then Oregon they got State Washington. Got Utah. Yeah. Jerry, what, did you attend a game on Saturday? I was at Purdue. I, I go to all the Purdue games at home, at least, because my son's in the band. So um, I was at the Purdue-Wisconsin game Friday night. What, uh, Looking at the SEC, I'm curious, just your thoughts from your perspective up there. Uh, who's playing the best ball right now? And after that Alabama-Ole Miss game, can can Alabama fix early season woes? Are they, are they trending in the right direction, in your opinion? Like, Give us your, your take on Alabama, too. Well, uh, I mean, Alabama, yes, that, that was a step in the right direction, uh, the Mississippi game. You know, that, that they kind of, you know, they, they get beaten by Texas. They, they struggle against South Florida, go back to Milrow. And I thought that that game was, was better. You know, I don't know if that's good enough to win the SEC better, but a step in the right direction better. And that's what you're asking for is with, you know, September or October football. You just want to get better every week and, you know, then get ready to play. Hopefully, you know, the LSU game, which is going to be huge in the, in the division. And then, um, and then we'll see what, what's coming of A&M still. And, uh, but then you, the idea is to finish 12 and one, win the SEC, get into the college football playoff. That's the path for Alabama and anything less is not going to get it done. So who's playing the best ball in the SEC right now? Is it is it LSU? Nah, it's Georgia. Really? It's still Georgia. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, LSU's coming off a three-point win over Arkansas at home. Almost lost that game. Um, uh, you know, I don't know that anybody is, is really overwhelming, but I, I think until somebody, you know, really, you know, puts a scare into Georgia or actually beats them, it's still Georgia. I'm not going to uh... – ask you if Auburn has a chance what I'm going to ask you do you think they'll score one offensive touchdown on Georgia mm. if they get a turnover and decent field position if they've got to go 75 yards probably not um, I'm with you on that or if yeah they may get a defensive touchdown but I'm wondering with the quarterback issues they have these two teams will be talking to you next year about a big rivalry how do you like Texas Oklahoma this week um, well, I like Texas. I mean, I just think they're playing really well. 
Um, but Oklahoma, you know, Oklahoma had a really disappointing first year uh, under Brent Venables, but um, they, they appear to have come back and they're playing pretty well. So that that should be at least an entertaining game, a fun game, probably a high-scoring game. And uh, but I like Texas. I, I just think they're better. Um, in particular, at the quarterback position, which is so important. But um, I just think they've got better weapons offensively and that they can win a shootout. I wanted to ask you also, in getting back to Notre Dame-Ohio State, have you ever recalled a, a game of such magnitude with the interest so high where a team was caught off guard with only 10 players on the field on the, the final two yeah. plays giving up? I mean, who, no. who's responsible for that? The coaches. I mean, the coaches send the players out on the field. I mean, there must be obviously assignments. You know, you probably have a goal line defense, and somebody's probably normally on the goal line defense that didn't get out there. But it's up, the coaches have got to know. You know, and they've got people in the box surely counting. You know, that, that are watching up there, and it's like uh, something's not right here. You know, somebody somebody has to catch that. But it, it ultimately falls on the coaches to, uh, to get the players on the field. Hey, so uh, Clemson-Florida State was probably a little bit more competitive than most of your fans would have thought going in. With that said, there's potentially a couple more losses on that Clemson schedule this year, right? Yep, they got to play Notre Dame for sure. Um, that one's at Clemson. Um, that, that one's most noteworthy. But yeah. yeah, Clemson doesn't look like Clemson. And they, they put up a pretty good fight. Obviously, they did. That game went to overtime, you know. That was a good comeback by Florida State to get that win. Um, you know, I thought Clemson acquitted themselves pretty well, but Florida State, I think, is just the best team in that league this year. Um, does Clemson play North Carolina in the uh, regular season? I haven't got their schedule. In yeah, they they have Miami uh, coming up. Be, I know they have Miami in about yeah, a month. Be, oh yeah, Miami too. So yeah, so that, there's obviously some problems there uh, for Carolina that they've got to fix. But I thought the Florida State performance was good. And they can take something from that um, and, and build off of it. But once they recover from actually losing the game. Which college team at this point early on, the best team, not a power five team? Which team do you have up there? Fresno State. Fresno State is, I got to see them at Purdue. And, you know, they were the defending mountain. They are the defending Mountain West champions. Um, and they lost most of their skill position guys, including their quarterback to the NFL. But they had most of their defense back. They had most of their offensive line back. So the question for them was going to be the new skill position guys, quarterback, backs, receivers, how good were they going to be? Well, they're good. So Fresno State, to me, looks like the best team among the group of five at the moment. Um, you know, Tulane has a chance to play their way into that group. But uh, Fresno State, to me, looks like the favorite in the Mountain West. And possibly the favorite to get all the way to the um, group of five representative in a in one of the New Year's Six games. I don't think Fresno State's good enough to, to fight for a playoff spot. Their schedule's not good enough. Did I read a story where they're not going to change the format now for the college football playoff? Yeah, that's what, down- I thought. what does um, that mean now? Tell our listeners. A unanimous vote, and Mike Oresco is definitely against it, the American Conference Commissioner. So if, unless they can find a way to get a unanimous vote, it doesn't sound like they're going to change, at least for one year. Uh, they're not going to change the format. They'll still go 6-6 six and six in um, <laughs> 2024. So even though the Pac-12 may not be around? How, may not be around. Yeah, so you're saying there'll be six automatic a- 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 entries? Yep. In? 
So where would they come from? What they're saying, six automatic entries, yep, and, and still sticking with the six and six format, six automatics and six at large. Yeah, but if they're – okay, so there's five – uh, power fives now. There'll only be four, so you're going to have four automatics, and then where are the the two automatics other automatic coming from? Uh, whatever the, the the highest ranked champions are, so the Mountain West or the American or Sun Belt or whoever has the highest ranked conference champion. If assuming the Pac-12 doesn't exist, um, you know, then you've got you know the four. You would expect the four major conferences would have would be among the top six, and then whoever the next two conference champions happen to be. But they come from, you know, what are now group of five leagues. Uh, quickly, before we let you go, how you feel about the idea of promotions and relegation in college football? It's intriguing. I, the, the problem with, I, you know, I, I follow soccer, so right. I'm used to the concept of promotion and relegation. The problem with doing it in college sports is you've got – to consider the fact that athletic departments are not just football. So if there's a way to do it that it only impacts football and not all of the other athletic programs changing conferences because the football team sucks or doesn't one year, then then maybe you can make that work. But you know, this these aren't as much as people like to think they're professional sports, they're not really professional sports and athletic departments at schools are not just the football team. So you have to keep that in mind when you start talking about stuff like that. Jerry, as always, man, it's great to have you on again. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks. You bet. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank Dr. Christopher Mullenix for all the work he's done with my dental implants, which number at least seven. Been going to Dr. Mullenix for a number of years now. He's been in business for 20 years, and I appreciate everything that he has done to restore uh, my teeth so I don't have to wake up every morning wondering if I have to go in for a cavity or for uh, an abscess tooth or something along those lines. He, along with Dr. Aaron Wallander, were voted the 2023 Best Oral Surgeons in Mobile. You don't need a recommendation to go see Dr. Christopher Mullinex at 715 Downtown or Boulevard. You could take my recommendation. Uh, best thing, as I said, uh, out of the chair after the 30-minute uh, chair, uh, no pain the next day and very, very little discomfort. We thank Mobile and Oracle Facial Surgery for being our title sponsor. We will be at St. Michael. Yes, we will. How about that? Philip Rivers and the guys. And Gunner. By the way, is there not a better first name for a quarterback than Gunner? I mean, he was just born to be a quarterback. Like major, do you think they they have named him because of that? You can have yes. We'll ask Philip, we'll ask Philip that. I'm yes, not. some of the great football names: Gunner, Major, Captain. Oof. I'm pumped already. All right, one final segment in hour number two. We'll give you a chance to jump in on the Alec Name and Catering Party. We're giving one away this Friday. Correct. 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 So, it's naming it. We play an audio clip. Person, place, or thing. You identify correctly what is in said clip, and you will be the latest to register or be qualified if, of course, you're the first one to get Bronner on the phone. We'll do this on the air. I don't even know what it is. We'll wrap up hour number two next. Stay with us.
growing on me. I gotta, I gotta be honest. That song's kind of growing on me. Hey, it's welcome be back. Lee's best audio suggestion <laughs> ever. Well, so one of them's gotta be. Uh, as long as it's not about a roof. 7:53. We're wrapping up <laughs> hour number two. All right, here we go. We're naming it. So you know how this works. 694-1055. Person, place, or thing. I did not pick the selection. Here we go. Let it rip. Jake, you get wise. You get to church. All right. Jake, you get wise or you get the church. All right. So we're going to get some guys on and we will uh, give you a shot at that one. So the goal here is not to get it on the first, but we don't want to be doing this all day. So we're going back a, a ways. Did you know what that was, by the way? No. All right. Do we have some folks on the line? We ready to roll? 694-1055? Apparently nobody knows it. Nobody wants a shot at being... Uh, is this uh, yours what? or Bronner's? This was Bronner's. This is... Uh, uh, well, then he should... He'll have to stay on the phone for about an hour then if... No, we got people calling in, so we'll get that racked up and we'll, we'll try it. Dean Waite's going to join us at 8 o'clock. He's got a list of things we need to discuss, including the... And we'll start with the Alabama Ole Miss loss of down uh, and get his thoughts on what exactly went wrong there. Um, we'll, we'll do that. There were some, uh, there were a couple things in the Auburn game as well. All right. So let's go to the phones and, uh, go ahead. Caller. Who are we talking to? Gary. All right, Gary. So what is it that you just heard? The blues brothers. Is that an acceptable? That's an acceptable answer. Yes, it was indeed the blues brothers. We got it on the first try. Congratulations. Stay on the line. And, um, uh, Mr. Bronner will get all your information. You're the latest to qualify for the Alec Game and catering party which, of course, we will announce this Friday during our Dr. Christopher Monex High School game day from St. Michael. Is that, uh, that, was he the first caller, or did others I think he get was. on I think he was. try to give answers? No, and, no, well, no, then no. it was kind of easy then. Uh, yeah, it just took him all a second. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to up our game. This is ridiculous. Ridiculous might be a strong word. By the way, speaking of ridiculous, Sean Payton has been ridiculous. Sean Payton opened this can of worms when he made his comments. So he needs to sit up there and take his medicine like a man and not be a sniveling little spoiled brat about it. Your, your team just gave up 70 points. You stand up there and you take it. Now, look, I like Sean Payton. Clearly, all he's done for the Saints. But stand up there and answer questions, regardless of how ridiculous they are, because they can't be more ridiculous than your defense was over the weekend. I mean, Miami's got a good offense. They ain't 70 points good. You you rolled over. And so now, take it like a man and just answer questions. But he got short with reporters, and I get it, but that's part of the gig. Yeah, well, the reason that it bothered me was because he's the first coach I know that has kind of the unwritten law or the unwritten rules you don't knock other coaches in the business. And if you remember when he took over the Denver job, he went on a rant or poked fun or criticized the former coach, Hackett, Nathaniel Hackett, uh, for what he did or didn't get done at Denver and for what was left for him. And uh, that was really construed as just going the extra mile uh, because coaches normally do not rant on other coaches. It's kind of a fraternity. And it'd be like you hitting a fraternity brother or something like that. And he did something that was out of bounds. So, therefore, when he comes to the stand and, you know, Hackett had his issues, yes, at Denver, but he never lost 70 to 20. I don't, I don't know how out of bounds it was. It, 
it was all true. Now, does he look kind of look like a fool now Michael, giving up Michael, 70? There's yeah. a lot of things that are true, but some things you just don't do, okay? Because they'll come back and bite you, and they'll come back and haunt you. And who knows? In the tush. Well, it could happen there, too. <laughs> and, you know, your thing is, oh, well, it was true. You know, you're always coming out with these things true, but it doesn't mean that you're, you know, you can go out there and, and knock a member of your fraternity because who knows? Oh, Maybe on the, the hollowed coaching fraternity. Who cares? Hackett was a disaster. And he's I, speaking up for his guys. Can, can I finish? Are Please. You? All right. And, all right. So my point is you never know if you'll be on the same staff or if you'll be both working together again, maybe in a broadcast booth or something like that. It The comments that Peyton and, and look, I like Sean Peyton. I love what he did with the Saints. But I mean, you just don't go out there. That'd be like me going out on the road and saying things about you, you know, working with you. It. Well, I don't know about that. I don't have a problem with him speaking his mind, but and being critical, but. What it's got to work. It's got to be. It's got to work the same way. It's got the flip's got to be right, true. You got to be coach, able to sit up there and take the criticism. What other coach you've ever heard has taken over a job and ripped the coach that just left? Uh, well, yeah, well, I can't remember there being a a coach that was that much of a disaster as Nathaniel Haggett. Credit no, there have been Peterson. a lot of coaches that have been a disaster. Uh, if it weren't for Urban Meyer, he'd be the worst coach in NFL history. Lou Holtz wasn't successful. Bobby Petrino in the oh, NFL. Steve Spurrier. and you know the worst coach in NFL history. Okay, there's history. a lot of coaches that haven't been successful. Guys, can you even name the Bears coach? Mike what, Ditka. Luke Getze. What about him? <laughs> Who's I the mean, coach? Luke Getze. Are you sure that's his name? I uh, he's it, the offensive coordinator. Right. You're talking Who's about that? Matt Eberflus? Eberflus, right. I mean, that, Ooh, that's I mean, fun to say. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, Justin Fields is his quarterback. So, so. whoever replaces him, is he going to come in and rip him? I love the fact that people I mean, he, talk they at need a turn. A, they need a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I was a fan of it from Sean Payton. It gave us like three days of confidence. Yeah, I mean, Lou so. Holtz is getting, getting, getting fire thrown at him. Joe Namath, Lee Corso, Lee Shervanian. What did I say? It's an assault on experienced folk. Now, look, Sean Payton, I don't have a problem with the fact that Sean Payton called anybody out. I don't really care about fraternities or some unwritten rules the or whatever. Fraternity. But all I'm saying is what's good for the goose is good for the gander. So if, if you're going to sit there and be critical, then you can't stand up there and get all pissy when a reporter asks you a legitimate question after you gave up seven. That take I agree your, with. Take your medicine. I hope Nathaniel Hackett gets asked about it. What did you think of Sean Payton's uh, gig the other day? It's it's wor it's newsworthy. I'd like to hear it too. Dean Wade is next. Stay with us. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. Opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Indeed, here we are, 805. Thanks for hanging with us on a busy Tuesday edition. We're in the studios at WNSP. Continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. All right, uh, last night, uh, NFL football, we had the Bengals get their first win. They beat the Rams. Good defense for the Bengals. Not too bad defense for the Rams. Eagles now 3-0 and with that win. To that, we call in Dean Waite, my good friend, co-host of our show Friday at Dean Waite Associates, heard noon to 1. Dean, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Hey, uh, Mark and I have already kind of 
put out the information we want to get to. But then the, now that I'm thinking about it, last night with the tush push where the quarterback hurts, wasn't there a couple of years ago when Matt Leinert scored a touchdown for Notre Dame and he was pushed over the line? That by was the uh, Bush push. Bush not push. Not to be confused yes. with the tush push. I th- I, so how much of a problem is that for officials to try to figure out, number one, is that legal, which obviously it is, because but even to determine, because there's such a pileup, you can't even see if the guy made it across the line or not. You're talking about just them kind of pushing him yeah. across the line. Yeah, I mean, it put, that's now legal. It used to be illegal to do that. You still cannot um, – pushing's fine. You still cannot pull from the front. You cannot go to the front and pull a guy across the line, but you can push him across the line. But it does become a little bit of a problem as to, you know, when has forward momentum stopped, when you blow the whistle, you know, that kind of thing. Um but they did change the rule a couple of years ago to make that a legal play to push, was, to assist. I was watching the yesterday, and there was at least two or three t- times I was watching. You can't tell uh, in real time watching it. I, I can imagine, that, you know, the officials have to go back and watch it on replay, and I don't see how they can see where the ball is because they're surrounded by 12 <laughs> or 13 bodies. But, uh, yeah, I, I just thought about that at the moment. The one I want to get to the Auburn game this past week where Fisher, the coach for A&M, was on the field when Auburn scored the touchdown. I have a couple of questions. Number one, why is he not flagged? I thought coaches aren't allowed on the field. Yeah, they're not allowed on the field, and I, and I think he should have been flagged there. You know, there is a there's a warning system, a sideline warning system, but I believe Jimbo could have been flagged uh, on that without the warning for being in the field of play while the while the play was going on. Now, I can tell you this. Had a player or an official hit him, he certainly would have been flagged. Uh, and maybe they didn't because nobody ran into him. But I, I still believe a flag was warranted in that scenario because you're clearly – I mean, it was that was one of the funniest things I've seen in a while, especially now that people have made all kind of gifs about it and stuff, you know. But uh, it, it's just a, that was just a weird play. It was kind of akin to the – the guy going in motion in front of the line of scrimmage. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that I've ever seen that in the middle of a play, a coach standing in the field just kind of letting everybody olay and everybody as they go by, you know, so we can get back on the sideline. What if the Auburn player who was running for the touchdown had inadvertently or accidentally run into him and stumbled yeah. and fell? Could, would the officials have ruled it a touchdown? You, I, there is a mechanism to where they could have, you know, said, I think they would have flagged him, but they could have said – uh, and I would listen, Lee. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go back and review that aspect. But I believe that they could award a touchdown if it was very clear one was going to be made, and and a coach is in the middle of the field and gets run over. Uh, you know, uh, so it, that's just a that's just a no no. I mean, you're just. I don't know what he was doing. I, it's just you know. He, they, and the conference may, I don't know if there'll be some kind of discipline for that or not. I mean, you know, it's, it, the conference may take a look at that. What um, if He was out where, he, nowhere he should have been. What if an Auburn player either didn't recognize that, you know, he, he was trying to block for the guy, but for whatever reasons had run over the coach, <laughs> could he have been flagged for uh, unnecessary roughness? <laughs> Hello? What happened there? Apparently, he was attacked by Cujo. Wow. 
What was that? I don't know if they got Dean, but it sounds like they got his phone. <laughs> what the? I'll now, call him back. Uh, call him back. Yes, and please. I'm concerned for his well-being because it sounded like it, it was a pack of wild dogs. I don't think Dean, he... blink if you can hear us. We need proof of life. He may have to get an attorney on this one. Apparently, Jimbo didn't like the line of questioning. No, like, we'll wait for the call, and when we get Dean, you back? Not yet. He's uh, oh, he's working on I it. I thought I heard something there. I hope we get him back because we do have. I that. mean, if it goes straight to voicemail, that that phone is gone. That that dog just just digested it in one one bite. All right. I think I think Dean's okay. I'm not sure, but I'm, yeah. <laughs> I hope you. Uh, I apologize, guys. <laughs> what happened? I was uh. Well, I was pull, I had my dogs in the car, and I was pulling up to the kennel where I drop them off, and they got a little fired up at uh, another another dog I, there pulling in. I thought you <laughs> I got I thought you got attacked by a pack of wild dogs. I was hoping you had your rabies <laughs> shots, man. It was it's I was concerned for your well being. Uh, All right, uh, could yeah, a pl- not, everything's good. Could a player be flagged if they ran into a coach on the field? Uh, no, the player would not be flagged. The coach would be flagged for being out on the field. So, yeah, I know the player wouldn't be flagged at all, but that, that's 100% on the coach. All right, so uh, there was a play earlier in that game where uh, Auburn, I think it was Auburn, uh, where it looked like he was uh, there was a fumble, and the referees yeah. were describing it was more of a pass, and it's it comes down to where the running back catches it, not where the QB throws it. Is that – am I am – I, Understanding that rule correctly? Are you talking about the the the, the play where the scoop and score play? Yeah, because yeah. Texas A&M scored. They called it back, reviewed it. I thought it right. was a legit toss sweep to the right running play. Turned out to be an incomplete a, pass. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was definitely a pass, and it was a forward pass. So when it happened live, I was watching the game live. I thought initially it was a fumble, and then when they on the first replay, I said to my buddy next to me, I said, now, wait a minute, this is a forward pass that I'm not sure he controlled, and we may have, this may be coming back, and so uh, that's exactly what it was. It was a, it was a forward pass, and, and he, he, he ba- I mean, may have barely made a football move. I, I just, I, at the end, I think they got it right. I don't think he controlled that ball long enough for that to be a fumble. So I think they got it right at the end. It was a, uh, I mean, it was a bang, bang, close play. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like they got it correct. All right, let's go on over to the Alabama game. Uh, tell us how, how something like a missed down or a miscommunication on what down it is actually happens. Yeah, that was, that was, a, that's an unfortunate situation. So I guess Alabama, uh, Get the first down. The, the the actual chains are on the other side of the field um, because they're across from the the press box. We have a down indicator, I think, on Alabama's side, and it was still showing third down. This is what so this is a, a risk of these new this, this new rule where you don't stop the clock on first down. So, the, you know, normally and last year you'd have had the official on Alabama's side stopping the clock, doing all this stuff. Well, now he doesn't do that anymore because you don't stop the clock for first down. So. I guess the, the 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 guy running the down box just didn't change it from third down to first down, and they didn't. And the sideline official didn't communicate to the Alabama staff it was a first down, um, and so Alabama runs a sneak on what's first down, but they're thinking it's third down. Yeah. 
Uh, and so it just it just messed up the whole sequence for Alabama. It, it was just poor poor communication. I mean, they didn't te- they didn't really lose a down per se. I mean, you know, like give an extra down or anything like that. They just they should have the down indicator on Alabama's side should have been changed, and they should have stopped play until it was changed. I mean, those officials are responsible for looking and making sure that the down indicator matches what the actual down is. And when it doesn't, you generally will stop the clock, huddle up as the officials, and, and check with everybody and say, hey, what down do you have? So they didn't do that for whatever reason. It was just poor, poor communication on the officials' part. Just curiosity, the the, the ones who run the chains, is, is that the home team gets them or that the, the league sends them over? Or uh, is it? Yeah. Now, there's a, there's a chain crew at each school, and it's, you know, I think that they go through, I think the league gives them some training and other things like that. They're not. Generally, they're not actually college officials. Uh, a lot of times, they're high school officials, um, or maybe potentially some you know lower level college officials that aren't working that day. But uh, they're not SEC officials per se. All right. So there are a couple other issues I wanted to get to. There was a shot that um, I thought was interesting. So Dart lost his helmet a couple times. Thought it was interesting and, and worth pointing out that. After he loses his helmet, he has to come off the field, which he did both times. On the first one, though, he comes off, and there's a false start or a pre-snap penalty, and there was some discussion. I think it's important for people to understand he can't come in at that point, correct? Because no play has been run, so he had to he had to wait yeah. essentially an extra play, which really wasn't an extra play. Correct, because the false start's a dead ball foul, so there hasn't been you know technically one play for him to sit out. Now, Ole Miss could have bought their way out of that uh, one-play uh, you know, penalty, so to speak, by calling a timeout if they wanted. Uh, and, and then I think Dark could have gone back in at that point. They, they would have had to have burned a timeout in order to do that. Uh, okay, so a couple other things. On the second helmet to, or, or shot that he took where he lost his helmet, um, there was some talk about whether or not that should have been targeting by the Alabama player. I thought it was yeah. a good non-call. What was your take yeah, on Campbell? It was a great non-call. I mean, there was no uh, – in order to have targeting, you got to either lead, you know, lead with the crown of your helmet, which he did not, and you, or you have to have contact to the head or, or the neck area, and it was, it was basically center of the chest. I thought it was a, a textbook tackle other than the fact they would probably say, you know, you, you would want to uh, you know, run your face mask into a player's chest. You'd yeah. want to put your helmet on the side for neck injury purposes, but it, it was clearly not targeting. All right, it was so a good no call. That was like 40 seconds left in the second quarter. Ten seconds after that, yeah. Alabama gets called for a 15-yard penalty because I think Braswell's hand hit Dart's helmet. It was almost kind of matter-of-factly, but that by rule is right. still a penalty. I mean, I think technically it so, so forcible contact to the head or neck area is roughing the passer. Yeah. I was not in love with that call at all. I thought that was just very incidental, kind of, like you said, matter of fact. I mean, it was just almost like a, a, a just a small glance off the, you know, off the, the helmet. And uh, I would have rather that not have been called. Yeah. Uh, let me uh, switch gears. Uh, this is kind of a broader question. We're almost out of time, but uh, – but I'm glad to hear you survived the dog attack. Um, so <laughs> Ohio State, Notre Dame, there was an intentional grounding called late. 
uh, on Ohio State, and I don't know how much of this you saw. What I thought, what I like, what I find fascinating about these calls is uh, there was no receiver in the area, or he was inside the tackle box, which is important. But here's my thing: right. if it's a quote-unquote miscommunication where the receiver went up instead of out and he threw it out or vice versa, generally we give yeah. folks a pass on that kind of thing, even though it looks the same and has the same result. But at the end of the game, when you know they're trying to make a play, we're throwing the flag. Is Do, do officials take that kind of stuff into account when they're trying to decide if it's a miscommunication or, or, or what when they're throwing a flag on intentional grounding? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's hard for the officials to know if it's a miscommunication or actual intentional grounding. But it, uh, one important thing to note is, yeah, for it to be intentional grounding, the quarterback has to be trying to save loss of yardage. So, I mean, it, you know, in that scenario, I did not see the play. Let me let me okay. admit that I tried to find it on the internet, didn't see it. But you know, if 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 he was was he under duress at all when yes. he threw it away? Yes, he was. Okay, oh, yeah. so the fact he was under duress is is almost always if if he's inside the pocket, there's no eligible receiver in the area. And he throws the ball into that area. You're going to get popped for intentional grounding if you're under duress. Now, if he hadn't been under duress, they probably would have let that go. Yeah. Um, and, and chalked it up as a miscommunication. But you, you do have to have the element of the quarterback is trying to conserve loss of yardage in order for it to be intentional grounding. Hey, man, I sent you one like really late. And when I say late, I meant like yeah. 20 minutes ago from the game last night. Did you see yeah. that? You talking about the Rams? Yeah, the, the Atwell the catch the that got called off. I'm sorry? Yeah, yeah, that, that's the one, the Atwell catch for the yeah. Rams. Yeah, I mean, and, and so it looked like it's – the NFL has a, 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 a foot-heel rule, and I, I'm not familiar with it, but I think that's what happened there is he got the, – the back foot was in, the front foot came down, and then his heel immediately looked to me like touched out of bounds, and I think that's why they ruled that pass out of bounds. Um, but there is some there is some rule about the – the, the the foot and then the heel coming down immediately out of bounds, I think, makes that play an out-of-bounds play. All right, but if his heel didn't hit and he only had one foot or that toe down, the fact that he breaks the yeah. plane otherwise is a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that the heel doesn't hit there, uh, and, you know, he's tiptoeing. Yeah, I think it, it's good. It, I mean, he clearly got inside the pylon. Yeah. Uh, so that, yeah. Dean, great stuff, man. Uh, we appreciate the time. I'm sure we'll have a whole another list for you next week. I'll try to keep the dogs at bay next week, guys. Nah, man, that Thank was you. good stuff. Thanks. <laughs> we appreciate it. All right, bye-bye. All right, we went bye. long, so here comes your traffic and your weather. We'll get you a Chick-fil-A as well. Justin Ferguson at 830 on Auburn. So continue with your comments the app at WNSP.com. It's the opening kickoff. Mark Lee and Bronner right here from the studios at WNSP. Stay with us. Hi, this is Luis Gonzalez, former South Alabama Jaguar and Major League player. You're listening to WNSP Mobile. Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I could eat there seven times a day. Where the people laugh and children play. Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A. Well, All right, la- uh, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, no, if you are, I might give you the gift card then yeah you know kelsey's got tay tay I, I got chick-fil-a i mean what what can i say 
different strokes for different folks. All right. I'm well, afraid to ask Michael because he doesn't like anything. <laughs> so That's not true. I like Chick-fil-A. Oh, there thank, you go. Thankfully, I didn't want you to. <laughs> now, don't ask Chick-fil-A how, they, how he feels about uh, Bronner. Bronner. It's, well, it's a rocky that road. That hasn't I mean, come up in our conversation yet. I have Chick-fil-A not, and I have a good relationship. I have not been given any feedback <laughs> that no gift cards for Bronner yet. Okay. All right. All right. Here's your chance for some fried deliciousness. Here we go. Since the NFL expanded to 32 teams in the year 2002, only one team that started out 0-3 has reached the postseason. Name that team. All right. Boom. I genuinely cannot read your handwriting, Lee, so I guess I'm going to have to look this one up. Uh, I, I will send you. I, I can read. I uh, have it in two places somewhere along the way. I can read Shervanianism. Oh, there it is. Maybe yeah, if it's you typed, maybe it's if typed you in a place too. Maybe if I you have the answer. Came in without spending your night at a nightclub, you'd be able to read better. Mm. <laughs> you were <laughs> is out that partying. What you think I do? Is that where you were out throwing back some cold ones? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, you always come in looking like you've just been scraped off the boat. Well, well get up at five a.m. You're not going to impress me with that. Sorry. Well, not sorry. really trying That to. don't impress me. All right, me but let me ask much. you seriously. Do you, do you have the right answer? If not, I'll hurry back there. I do. No, I have it. Okay, because I, I put it You're in two good. places. Oh, you should have told me you didn't have it. I wanted to see him hurry up over yeah. there while we're on the air. That would have been good my, fun my for ten, everybody. My 10-yard dash? Yes. All right, uh, while he's uh, getting the answer, let me uh, remind everybody that today at Victory Grill, Baumhauer's Victory Grill, it's Kids Eat Free, of course, accompanied by an adult. Uh, keep in mind that they do have the 75 TV sets. And, for instance, if you're going out Saturday with all the college football games around, what better place to have lunch or even a, a dinner and watch all your favorite teams? In fact, I'm curious, Mark, I was asking you this because I, I wasn't sure I read it correctly. The Alabama-Mississippi State game, 8 o'clock on Saturday night. Yep. I wonder if Bob's going to stay open till the end of that game. Uh, so late. I have no, I have no doubt. Why is it so late? I don't know. I don't. I'm annoyed. I, I am too. For you, you and I agree on that, Michael. Do oh we get, wow! Do we get a winner? Yeah, David. Good job. Houston First uh, Texans. There you I'm go. The only 0-3 team since 0-2 to do it. I'm gonna have to take some of those Stables Bama shots to stay awake. Three dollars. Hmm. Bama shots for everyone. They'll run a rushing touchdown. Whose idea was it to schedule that at eight o'clock at night? TV. I don't know. Uh, we're going to talk some Auburn next. Uh, stay with us, and congratulations to David on his fried deliciousness. Plenty left here. It's a Tuesday edition of the opening kickoff. bit on us for sure when we had to get in those throwing downs and uh, I think they have one of the more talented defensive fronts but we had people open and um, it was a mixture of I think us not standing in there and making a throw and then uh, also some some times where I don't think we had time to uh, adequately step up and make the throw. Auburn coach Hugh Freeze welcome back in 833 on this Tuesday edition it's the opening kickoff Mark Lee and Bronner, all with you. Hugh Freeze talking yesterday. Justin Ferguson covered for the Auburn Observer. Justin, uh, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you on this morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? So what do you take away from the press conference in 
let's say, offering optimism or hope for Auburn fans, and I can't speak for them. I can only speak for myself that had to sit through that awful offensive showing on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, not a, not a ton in terms of just pure optimism, but I, I did think, you know, Hugh Freeze went out of his way to say, hey, we had opportunities to, you know, make plays. Guys were running open, which is true. Um, and, you know, they ran the ball well against Texas A&M for the most part, but uh, they just didn't, they, they did not make the plays they needed to do. Quarterback play was rough all game long. Uh, protection broke down as the game went on. You know, it just it, there's just a giant disconnect in this offense, and so Freeze yesterday didn't. You know, if you were an Auburn fan looking for him to say, "Hey, we're changing our starting quarterback," or "Hey, I'm taking over offensive play calling," he didn't do either of those things um, ahead of the Georgia game this week. Um, but he says, like, you know, it's ultimately on me to get this fixed. Um, so, you know, for Auburn, it's just, you know, they, they they've had some bright spots. They've had some things. Okay, if we do this, it could work. Um, it just hasn't really against against quality competition outside of a few plays, and you know they're they're going to play a really really talented Georgia team this uh, this week, hoping that you know maybe playing at home they can figure some things out heading into a, into a much needed off week next week. Uh, okay, so you mentioned Georgia, and I'm paraphrasing Hugh Freeze here, but he wants to play with love and not hate. And if this were a, if this were a Hallmark Christmas special, I'd be okay with that. But come on, man, it's Georgia. Yeah, no, he uh, he 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 did this at uh, at Ole Miss too. I think he before his first Egg Bowl, he was talking about like he didn't want to play out of hate or anything like that. I think he's gonna understand real quickly about <laughs> you know kind of the intensity and the and the passion that comes into the to the Auburn Georgia route. I mean, his players yesterday when we talked to him were like, yeah, he'll he'll learn he'll learn pretty quick. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it, it, it's one of those things where it's like. You get the sentiment, you know. You get the sentiment like, hey, you don't want to, you don't want to, um, you know, it's a game. You don't want to go, you don't want to go too far in a rivalry. But like, yeah, this is, uh, you know, especially after the week we just had in college football, where everybody was calling out everybody yeah. before and after the game. Uh, it was kind of <laughs> interesting that he decided to take that angle. You know, I thought it was interesting in the broadcast. I don't know if you were aware about, but RG three. Uh, Griffin the third was doing the commentary when he was at Baylor. Philip Montgomery was his coach, I believe, or coached him somewhat. And yet Robert uh, Griffin was very critical of the Auburn offense. Was the blame also on the play calling? And I'm assuming Montgomery's calling the plays because when the game started, they seemed to have some success running the football, but they seemed to abandon the running game after that. Yeah, I mean, they stopped running as effectively later in the game because A&M was teeing off on it. Auburn had no real passing threat in this game. There were several first downs in this game where they ran the ball and they got stopped or went for no game. It was very kind of a boomer bust running game. And because as the game went on and Auburn couldn't throw the ball downfield, I mean, Auburn, Auburn had less than a yard per pass play on Saturday. Um, when you count in sacks and all that, they just had nothing in the passing game. And A&M got more and more aggressive and started to really tee off on on that running game. Um, and it's even tougher, obviously, with Peyton Thorne in the game because he doesn't have really kind of the running threat that Robbie Astor was. But, yeah, yeah Montgomery was calling the plays. So he sounds like he's a guy who's going to continue to call the plays. Um, Freeze did not sound irritated by the game plan uh, or the play calling itself. Uh, he said a couple times yesterday, he's like, yeah, we had dudes running open, like watch yeah. the film. We just didn't get the ball to them. Um, so I think 
that's kind of the big thing is that um, they're not necessarily sitting here and saying, hey, the play calls weren't working, our plan wasn't working, uh, we just didn't execute it. And when people say that, when you hear coaches say that, because this happened a bunch during the, the Brian Harson era, I think, I think Auburn fans take that to believe, well, it's coaches saying it's not their fault. Uh, incorrect. I mean, as Free said, it's ultimately on the coaches to get it fixed because if your guys aren't executing your plan, and they don't look like they know how to how to handle what Texas A&M or anybody is doing on defense. That's on the coaches to to get them ready. Yeah, um, yeah. Players have to go out there and make plays, but you got to prep these guys. And so when Hugh Freeze comes in there and says, "Hey, I don't think the game plan was bad. I don't think the play calling was bad." He's not saying that the coaches, you know, didn't do anything wrong. There, you know, it's more of, "Hey." we got to do a better job of making sure these guys know what to do so they can execute these plays that we're calling. Yeah, uh, and Peyton Thorne, I mean, there's no other way of putting it. The first 16 minutes, I mean, he had three overthrows alone. I mean, it was just – it it wasn't yeah. it wasn't pretty. And I I don't know how you fix that. I, I feel like to some degree, Justin, that maybe Auburn uh, – the Auburn folks were just getting jealous of all the quarterback headlines that Alabama was getting earlier in the season. But it, it just it just wasn't pretty. There's a disconnect somewhere between, you know, what we've seen from Peyton Thorne so far at Auburn and what we've seen from Pats. I mean, this is the same this is the same guy that his freshman season or his, his redshirt freshman season, he went to Penn State for 300 yards. He's the yeah. same guy who won some big games in 2021. We just haven't seen that this year. And he's been the best guy at practice. He was the best guy in the preseason. He said it yesterday. He said he had an excellent week of practice goes out in the game has a really has a really rough game he's like we're trying to figure out how to get that to, to translate because there's just nothing's really kind of clicking and it hasn't you know rolled over yet and Auburn doesn't sound like a team that is going to change their starting quarterback this week now that doesn't say you know Robbie Asher has no shot to starting or playing a lot against George I think that's going to depend on how this week of practice goes and how the game goes but you know, I think they've got an off week next week, and if they go to Georgia, they play Georgia this week, and it looks as bad as it did on offense this week, as it's done the last couple times they played a Power Five team. You know, go to the drawing board, uh, you know, everything's up for grabs in that off week, and then you can you can try to retool your offense into something else. But yeah, it's just um, for whatever reason, Peyton Thorne does not look like the quarterback he looked like. In the preseason, they look like the quarterback he's looked like against Michigan State, uh, and Auburn's got to figure out how to, you know, get him back to where he where he was because if not, um, they're gonna have to go with something else. Did the issue of all those delay of game penalties come up in the press conference? Because it just got very frustrating. Every other play, it seemed like they were having trouble getting in there. They got hit with a bunch of delay of game penalties. I just don't get it. Yeah, the delay of games. Most of the delay of games on fourth down on the punts were were uh, you know they, they took them on purpose. They tried to get Oscar Chapman some more yards. But no, there were some that any of the offensive penalties in this game, the procedural penalties, the false starts, uh, the the uh, the delay of games, stuff like that. That's you know that's way too many, and they had too many of them in this game. Now, Freeze was very upset uh, about. Uh, the holding calls on Auburn that took away some big runs in the first half. Yeah. He sent them in to the SEC to review them. Um, he was very, very adamant after the game and on, on Monday that he didn't feel like those were good calls at all. But no, the the stuff that's like self, um, you know, self inflicted. He, he had a good quote about this yesterday. He's like, "We're not good enough to overcome our, our mistakes like that." Because like, if you're playing Texas A&M or you're playing Georgia, or you're playing LSU in two weeks. The talent gap between Auburn and, and, and those teams are real. That doesn't mean you can't compete. That doesn't mean you can't win. Teams get upsets all the time in college football. 
but you got to play clean. Like you got to play a clean brand of football. And Auburn did not turn the ball over, uh, although they came very close a couple times uh, against Texas A&M. No turnovers, and still looked that bad because they put themselves even further and further behind the chains with their own penalties. And that's something they've got to clean up. They have no shot at beating any good team they're going to face in the SEC this year if they play that you know, sloppy uh, with the stuff that they can control. You can chalk some of this up to, hey, A&M's a better team. They've stacked recruiting classes for years. We've got to get, get to that point. But Auburn played poorly enough on Saturday of a lot of their own accord uh, that they've, they've got to get back. they got to get fixed. Otherwise, it could be a really long year. You know, I think they missed an opportunity there, a national opportunity, Justin. If just one of those guys actually rocks Jimbo Fisher – I think they would have been America's darlings, America's sweethearts. Nobody likes Jimbo Fisher. I mean, everybody would have been an Auburn fan after that. Yeah, dude, this is the most insane thing I've ever seen because <laughs> the play happens. Yeah. And we're, I'm in the press box in College Station, and he breaks away, and I just go in the press box. I just go, wait, did anybody else see Jimbo on the field yeah. on that play? Like, he was, he, he had to run around him. Um, yeah, one of the most insane things I've ever seen. Uh, Asante, good heads-up play by him just to kind of, you know, find a way to kind of sidestep him and score the touchdown. Auburn needed it um, and kind of kept him in the game for a little bit uh, there. But, uh, yeah, if there was a trailing guy, I mean, I think Elijah McAllister comes up right behind him. Um, you know, if one of those trailing guys would have just was just taken him out, I, I don't know what – I don't know what the kind of the reaction. But the thing that gets me more than anything about it is, like, obviously it didn't stop Asante from scoring. Right. You know, the play went off. The referees didn't acknowledge it at all. Not even a sideline warning. Not even like a, hey, dude, like, what's, you know, what happened there? Like, I, I, I am baffled that, you know, that, that wasn't even addressed <laughs> uh, by the officials during, you know, during or after the game. Well, you know, Texas A&M is famous for the 12th man, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That was, he, he was. He was he was feeling it on on Saturday for sure. I'll say this, you know, we can sound negative, but that Asante's having quite a year for Al uh, for Auburn. Oh, absolutely. Eugene Asante's having a great year. Um, I think Auburn's defense is playing solidly. I mean, outside of a couple of big plays they gave up through the air to Max Johnson in the third quarter, um, and you know the big run late, Auburn was taking a ton of injuries. They had their third string safety back there when when they gave up some of those big pass plays. Um, they played well enough to keep Auburn in the game and have a chance to win. If they play like that on defense every week in the SEC, Auburn's going to have a chance to win some games. And so as rough as the offenses look for Auburn, um, you know, in week two and week four, I think the defense has really played played well uh, for a bunch of new guys and a bunch of in a new system. For some reason, a bunch of new guys in a new system on offense has not worked out yet for Auburn, and that's going to be kind of the big thing moving forward. But, yeah. Asante and the defense, um, they're playing They're playing with a lot of fire right now. Not perfect. They've got their issues and they've got their injury concerns, uh, but they're playing some pretty good football right now. Justin, uh, before we let you, i got to ask, man, as much as we're sitting here talking about this offense and, and quarterback play, what's Auburn fans' reaction, general reaction, to what everything's going on with Bo Nix over at Oregon right now? One of our, our listeners kind of made the comment in our app, and I, I, it's it's timing of it is fascinating. Yeah, no, I, I think if you're an Auburn fan who thought Bo Nix was the problem, you, you've, you've, I mean, there it wasn't any other proof that you need at this point. Um, the, the handling of Bo Nix and the, um, you know, just his departure and all that and the situation, you know, that you created to let him leave, I think is one of the biggest errors uh, and, and, and one of the most just telling things of the Brian Harson era yeah. um, that – 
he felt like he he was better off going somewhere else. A kid who lived and died for Auburn football. Now he's at Oregon playing behind a good offensive line and putting up crazy numbers. Um, you know, it's you know, there's a ton of stuff that went wrong in the last administration. Um, a billion different things, especially recruiting. Uh, but that one is that one ranks right up there. And uh, I know some Auburn fans have some have some sellers remorse uh, for for you know not being so torn up that Bo was leaving. I mean, he's playing better out in the Pac-12 for sure. He's got some better offensive linemen and talent around him. But man, I mean, he 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 would be a he would be a totally different player in the system right now. Talking with Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer, how many offensive touchdowns do you think Auburn gets against Georgia Saturday? Offensive touchdowns. Oh man, oh man, I I think I think if you get multiple, you're you're considering that progress. Um, you need you need one, and I think they they're gonna they're gonna get in a situation where they have to hit some field goals. Um, staying in the game, I, I'm interested in this matchup because. We have not seen Georgia just kind of go full like, hey, we are just going to run up the score on anybody this year. That offense really hadn't hit that second year. I think Auburn's defense at home playing well could keep this more competitive than we think. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you just got to score. Uh, and, and Georgia's defense continues to look really, really good, as they usually do. Um, but, yeah, my thing is is that I'd only bet on probably one, but if they score two or more, you're going to feel good about it uh, in terms of your, you have progress. You've got some stuff you can build on moving forward. Um, so that's just kind of the state where it is right now because, you're, I mean, Auburn has not – at one point in time, Auburn was 4-0 in College Station, had never lost there. Guess my thought, never lost in College Station. Uh, they played two games – last two games there, they haven't scored a touchdown in there on offense. So, I mean, that's just kind of showing how far how far back uh, this program's kind of gone. All right, speaking of field goals, how many times in the game did the, the quarterback mess up by taking a sack instead of throwing the ball away and take him out of field goal range against A and M. Oh, I mean, oh, several times, several. I mean, yeah, multiple times. That was the one thing that I didn't really understand about kind of what Peyton Thorne was doing and, and just the offense. He never threw the ball away that I could tell at any point in this game. Um, it kind of reminds me of you know Auburn fans remember Jarrett Stidham having some of those problems behind an offensive line in eighteen where he kind of just stayed in the pocket and, and went down. Um, I, that's the thing that's going to be interesting. I understand Auburn not changing their quarterback and, and you know playing one more game before this off week at home against Georgia and see if you can kind of right the ship here some on offense. But when Robbie Ashford got into the game, he scrambled and threw the ball away and um, you know threw the ball deep and like got the ball out of his hands. The the, the, the amount of the amount of time that that Thorne held the ball and really didn't do anything with it. Um, even when the even when the pass protection was to blame and the breakdowns were happening, it just killed Auburn. It just killed Auburn because um, it just it put them in some really bad situations. Always good to catch up with. Tell folks how they can continue to follow your coverage of all things Auburn. Yeah, AuburnObserver.com. Six hours a month, six hours a year. Got some stuff up. Film room yesterday on Auburn's offense. Got another thing today about a lot of what Hugh Freeze said about fixing the offense uh, as well. Um, if you're an Auburn fan, that is. Um, not necessarily looking forward to the rest of this week uh, or what football season could bring already. Hey, good news. Auburn basketball starts practice today. We'll have, so, we'll have stuff on that tomorrow Look at uh, as well. So a lot of stuff at AuburnObserver.com. Check it out. Look at you. The glass always half full with you, Justin. Hey, man, we appreciate it. Always good to catch up. Hey, that's what basketball season's for. Thank you, guys. <laughs> uh, one final segment. Yeah, I did want to mention that the uh, 
change subjects from Auburn to South Alabama. Their next home game, Southern Miss, it's a Tuesday night coming up in October. And tickets available by getting in touch with the going online, USA Jaguars slash tickets slash dot com. All right. Uh, one final segment, closing ceremonies. Uh, we'll tell you where the Alabama watch party is this week. And, of course, set the table for the rest of the day. You guys can jump in, as always, as we wrap up a Tuesday edition. It's the opening kickoff. Mark and Lee and Bronner right here on Sports Station WNSP. Hi, this is Juan Pierre, former South Alabama Jaguar, former MLB player, and you're listening to WNSP. Final segment of the day. A reminder, the WNSP watch party coming up this Saturday. Watch your tide and Mississippi State go at it. From the Stables Bar downtown off St. Francis, that's this Saturday night. We'll be uh, giving away, courtesy of the vault, an Alabama jersey. And uh, if you just, once you walk in, you're going to get a free WNSP t-shirt. They're pretty sweet, actually. I think we got the dry fit variety these days. So uh, come on by. There'll be some folks over there. And come watch the game. They'll have a bunch of um, drink specials for folks like Lee and, and Bronner. And uh, Air Sports 1 will be right there, so you can't so, miss it. It's the Stables Bar downtown this Saturday night for Alabama-Mississippi State. It's the WNSP Alabama Watch Party. Well, then they serve lemonade then, I guess. That's my drink special. Hey, Michael, let me ask you, because I'm not familiar with staying out late or downtown. Do most of those places stay up after midnight? (laughs) Because the Alabama game does not start till a little bit after 8. Got to figure it's going to go to at least 11.15, 11.30 maybe. Yes, I would think so. Uh, Again, I'm not the authority on these things. I, I don't just like go out every night I, I mean, no just on a saturday not every night we're not, I, I, not accusing you of anything even normally on a saturday i'm more of a stay-in guy than a go out guy i understand you know anyway uh i think you have the wrong idea of me mr shervanian well i no, i'm not trying it's just because you're a little bit younger than mark and i you don't have a family and that he knows about well that i know about <laughs> So you stop it. <laughs> so we just figure that maybe Fair you're enough. young and you're a guy about town, good-looking guy, oh, eligible whoa, whoa, manager, good-looking bachelor, that maybe you like to go out on Saturday night. I just, I'm just i not familiar with a lot of the places downtown. I'm just curious trouble. with the 8 o'clock start. I know if it was me, I'd probably be dozing off around 9, 9.30. Yeah, I mean— that's about when I doze off. I'm a I'm a pretty boring guy, but uh, well, yeah. you stay up late for the high school games. Yeah, usually there till at least ten ten thirty, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, and then if it's a Thursday game, I'm sitting right in this chair on a Friday morning. You know, you got so. a good one coming up. Aren't you doing the Foley Saraland game? Correct. That's Foley Saraland. We got two games on on Friday. Actually, I believe we have St. Paul's. And Faith Academy on Friday as well, but Brian and I will be at Saraland for Foley, so it's going to be a good one. You didn't ask, but I'll tell you, Mark, uh, about tomorrow. Hey, what's going on tomorrow, Lee? Well, with Alabama and Mississippi State, Joey Jones. Hey, I know him. He's an analyst with Mississippi State. He's going to be on with us. And not to, uh, of course, Chris Stewart. And not to uh, 
avoid Auburn, Georgia. We'll get, I'm going to have Mike Griffith join us, uh, Dog Nation, talk about Georgia. That's been a minute since he said anything slanderous about Alabama and the Crimson Tide uh, on our air. So well, we'll catch up on that tomorrow, then, yeah, right? He, he always thinking likes to about take a things shot. that come on and people with opinions and things like that. Uh, get away from coaches making all these uh, opinions and rants and attacking older people. I know it's open season on uh, really on senior citizens, man. Yeah. Corso, Holtz, Namath, Shervanian. I haven't gone quite open season on Shervanian. Well, it's an open invitation. I guess that's what wow. it meant. It's an open invitation. He's to giving go you that opportunity. Don't tempt me with a good time. That's right. As long as, as long as that good time's before nine thirty, you're in good shape. <laughs> Do you think Lee Corso even is involved with social media? Do you think he no. even cares? Do you think no. Lee Corso even cares? No. 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 I mean, you know, you get to be eighty-six or whatever he is, and like, so you know, big deal. And a coach from Washington State. Who might not even be there next year? Uh, yeah, I don't think he cares. Come on. It just seems like the coaches and some of them in the Pac-12 have a chip on their shoulder. I don't know why. I'm guessing it's because the league is dissolving. I find it interesting, though, when, I, when we had Jerry Palm on, because there was a story about the college football playoff format for the following year when the 12 teams get in, and there was talk they were going to change the format. But if you listened at 7.30, Jerry Palm said that's not the case. Only one abstention, or actually one guy was against it. They're going to stay with the uh, format, meaning that there's going to be six automatics. But... Right now, we believe there's only going to be four Power Five conferences, so there'd be two other automatics coming in. Everybody wins except the Pac-12. <laughs> Pac-2. I brought this up the other day, and, and it's it's one of these fantasy-type deals, you know. I brought this up on the show last Friday. What if, and I know it's hypothetical and it's not going to happen, so don't get me wrong, but what if some TV network, seeing what's going on with the Pac-12, came across with this enormous TV deal if the Pac-12 could get back together again. Now, I don't know. And I mentioned, like, you know, bringing a band back together again. I don't know what the legalities are. I don't know if, like, Southern Cal and UCLA could get out of contracts or if uh, Oregon or any of those teams. If Because of what's going on with the Pac-12, so many teams in the top ten, some of the great wins they've had, it's not going to happen. But, boy, it's wishful thinking. See, I'm not the only one that likes a little chaos. Look at Look at Captain Chaos over here. All right, that does it for another edition of the opening kickoff. We appreciate you being a part of our show. We'll be back tomorrow at 6 a.m. Until then, see ya.